starting right now. everybody, it's Andrew Davis from Toon Talk Radio at www.toontalk.co.uk and also available on novaradio.co.uk, www.novaradio.co.uk and all things Newcastle United, Sunderland, Middlesbrough and cricket. Many things going on and also if you add the Shelby uh, rescinded uh, red card with Paul Dummett and the Newcastle victory, a Sunderland thumping, ha <laughs> ha, and Middlesbrough. I can't remember if Middlesbrough won or not, but anyway, uh, I think they threw. <laughs> actually, they won actually because they played Friday. They won me. <laughs> they won. <laughs> so as you can see, it's a packed show tonight, and my co-host in Dubai, frolicking as ever, is Neil Mitchell. Good evening, Neil. What were the stats there, Andrew? What were the stats as ever? <laughs> hey, I've not been cup of coffee yet. Back there, lad. Great. <laughs> Well, obviously an interesting weekend, and uh, mm. even to, even tonight, Gary Neville being lambasted by Jurgen Klopp. It's been all go this weekend with. Uh, um, I, like, I like his response on Twitter to Klopp. By the way, I don't know if you saw that. I think I saw it steak or something. Yeah, that, he, he, you're done. He, everything. Yeah, he knows a good steak <laughs> when he sees one. No, um, <laughs> I think it, it, it's interesting that Neville. In part, part of me, you know, um, take tips me out to him that he, he did to come out with the studio to go into management, and it definitely hasn't worked out for him at all. Mm. So he's gone back into the studio, and now, sort of, it's it, it, it's double jeopardy for him. His damage mm. re- his reputation is damaged both ways because that's the ammunition that someone like Klopp can throw back at him and say, "Well, come on, you get yourself back in the dugout, son." <laughs> I thought it was a bit harsh, yourself. but the thing is, that's the the nature of being a pundit you've got to put yourself out there you can't just lay on the right. sidelines you, you can't be can't be vanilla if you're going to no. be vanilla you might as well not you know we're back to um, oh man what's his face Steve Claridge who mm-hmm. spent 20 minutes of a game when we were playing in Porto trying to get trying to work out what a Portuguese donut was you know it's like <laughs> you know it's Domades Steve now crack on with it um, you know <laughs> if you're going to be vanilla and come out with the same platitudes that people come out with week in week out yeah, I agree. You cannot sit in the studio like that now, particularly not now in this sort of, you know, relevant to the night's guest in, in a very information and stat-driven age. Mm. Um, I, I think you, you, you cannot be. It's why somebody like Robbie Savage, for all he's um, not universally liked, for example, mm. still gets a gig because he's, he's not frightened to put an opinion out. Mm, exactly. Well, talk about opinion. 
we have uh, one of our re returning guests on the show. It's uh, Dan Sheridan, in-ground analyst for Opta Pro in the northeastern Cumbria and a freelance uh, journalist and a former Newcastle United Matchday programme editor. Good evening to you, Dan. How are you? Andrew, I'm good, mate. How are you doing? I not too bad, not too bad. Obviously, me and Neil were talking about what happened the weekend with the punditry. But uh, first of all, England, cricket, bad day. Yes, and I mean, we've um, the gloss been slightly taken off what was an incredible innings from our new boy the other day from Durham. But uh, yes, one to forget, I think. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously it's 3-0 in the series and... I think it was, I'm not going to say ill-advised tour, but they have to tour. But um, it just mm. seems England have never had a clue when it comes to spin bowling. Never, they've briefly dallied with it, but 3-0, um, and they were being called out at the start, to be 5-0, and the 3-0 yeah. with one to go. It's not It's mm. not a not a great thing, really, I think. I mean, it's a big ask, isn't it? I mean, the, you know, the, the, I think the expectation was reasonably, even by England standard, reasonably low going into this mm. one. India, like you say, renowned spin experts. And um, I, I think you're right, Andrew. I mean, it's something that we've never, you know, we, we've struggled to get to grips with over the years. And um, I think this is absolutely no different, really. Um, there's been positives, but I think, it, you know, it, it was always, always going to be a big ask. What do you think, Neil? It was a well, you, you know, obviously out here in Dubai, cricket's quite big because we've got a mm. big Asian population here in Dubai. There's a, there's a lot of Indian Pakistani uh, people out here, and Pakistan play a lot of their tests here in the UAE at the moment. Um, and it's interesting chatting to the Indian lads about England team selection, how England were going to play, how India were going to play. Um, and they were never in doubt that they were going to win the series. It was a case of how many by. Mm. Uh, and I think that's that's fair comment. Um, but I do question the certain team selection elements going on here for the last you know, few tours and uh, about certain batsmen seem to be given far too long before you, know, you say, look, you've been found out at this level. And now they're calling on, and here's the ECB coming back to Durham's Academy after they're trying to kill it. Yeah. To, 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 to pull the lad out who, um, uh, you know, it, it could have been and probably should have been given a test earlier. I think there's a lot of young batsmen and young bowlers for that matter in, in, in within the England setup. And again, talking to Australians and South Africans out here, because there's plenty of them here too, and Kiwis for that matter. But the Aussies and the Safas all say out here um, that we don't give young, blood young players early enough that some of these players, if they were Australians, would have had two or three caps already by now. Mm. And, and I think that's certainly fair to say the ECB. They seem frightened to try to give a young talent their head. And yet we've picked up two batsmen here in Jennings and, and Hasib, who, who frankly should now be in every test selection following on. For me, mm. you know, when, mm. the, when the battle battled away with balance, who's never really settled... And there's two or three others who've been given two, three, four chances. How many times more are they going to get when they should be saying, right, let's give these young lads a go because at least they're getting runs? I think the I one think thing right, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And I think the, I mean, I take nothing away from Keaton Jennings, who I think was, you know, mm -hmm. obviously um, a spectacular introduction. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from personal experience of him, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, you know, very genuine, very down to earth. And that comes across... Um, 
in his uh, in his media work that he's done so far. But it, I mean, I felt like it was almost as if his selection was a bit of an afterthought, which pretty much mm. underlines what you're saying, Neil. In a sense, it would be nice to see um, the ECB sort of roll the dice a little bit with these players yeah. and actually put their faith in them, you know, preferably from day one, really, because otherwise, it, you know, it, he was an afterthought. Yes, he has come in and he has made the headlines for all the right reasons. But it, in trying to nurture that culture that you're talking about, these players have to be given the credit that, de- that they deserve a lot earlier and um, and not just to be brought in as, you know, kind of also around batsmen because there was a feeling at the time that the, the series was slipping away anyway. So I, I just, I can see that, I, I mean, I can see massive bonuses and massive pluses to him coming in and doing what he did. But at the same time, it, it did feel a little bit like after the Lord Mayor's show a bit, once the series had started to slip. Absolutely. I think um, by the sounds of it, cookie, the Cookie Monster is going to be on his way. Um, mm. It's a very strange interview to, to start the series anyway by saying that um, he wants to get back to just playing cricket without the responsibility to be in mm. the slips. Listen, the guy's been through a lot and he's one of our England's best players. But it's this is the thing that, I, that surprised England. Normally, when they come to play, they come to play. And there, was, there seems to be lots of things going on behind, maybe behind the, the scenes. Like, you're right, I think, Dan and Neil. If they're going to blood players, just bring them in because they're going to they're take a while to, but, to, to actually get involved in the team. But I think uh, the one thing I didn't like after every single catastrophe that seemed to strike in the first innings, whatever, they, they come out within a day, which they never normally do, and say, yeah, we got the selection wrong. Yeah, well, that just yeah. that just plays into that just plays into the the the, the divine interception that India mm. they just know that they're there for the taking anyway. Dan, I think to Cook's credit, he's you know he's he's come out, he's said he's been quite upfront about it. He's mm. got some. You're right. You know, he's talked about the questions that are surrounding his role as Test captain. He's also talked about um, his you know, willingness to carry on in the role. And, and I think, um, as reported quite widely, he's um, due to discuss his role with Andrew Strauss, the uh, current director of cricket, once the tour's finished. I mean, I think it's quite natural for somebody at that stage. I mean, what is he now? 31, I think he yeah, is, 30, 31. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's quite natural for somebody at, at that stage to, to have a look um, to, to maybe um, have a bit of a rethink as to, to what his role is and what he's actually bringing to the table. Um, it, in a sense, on the back of a, of a defeat like this, it feels like it's kind of, I suppose, um, a, a knee-jerk reaction. I'm not so sure, and, and I think um, I think Cook may may well have been sort of um, you know throwing this one around in his mind for quite some time. I think when you slump to an innings defeat <laughs> and subsequently a series loss, then it's it's quite um, you know that might accelerate the thought process a bit. But um, yeah, I think it's I, I think it's quite um, understandable that he's got a few questions about the role, and um, it'll be interesting to see what comes from it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, probably the one thing before I, anything began this week was the um, when it came to sending off and Paul Dummett and it came to. John Joe Shelby. I think I was surprised how quickly um, 
they rescinded both because I think it's only happened once ever that the re- two red cards have been rescinded so quickly, uh, which is obviously good for us. But uh, were you surprised by that one, Dan? Yes and no. Um, I think looking at the when you look at it back, and you know we've all we've all chopped up the sort of footage of the of the two incidents and digested it and regurgitated it and digested it again, and we've been through the mill with it. I think there is an element of um, divisiveness from the FA, which I think was brought about by the pretty much widespread condemnation of the referee's performance and and his officials, who I don't think helped him at all on the night. Um, Surprised, kind of, particularly Shelby's, not so much... Dummett sign. I mean, I don't know why where you stand on this, lads. But I mean, I, I was struggling to see a foul where where Paul Dummett was concerned, let alone a penalty and a red card. Um, and I mean, I, I think it might have just been the, the the widespread condemnation that was out there, and obviously in the wider media and mm-hmm. you know on on social media. Obviously, you're always going to get a backlash. The wider media, you know, even straight after the game, the lads in the Sky Studio, Stuart Pearce, and I think Peter Beagrey didn't hold back, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned into, it's, it's, it very quickly turned into a very high-profile set of circumstances. And I'm not sure that they're the type of circumstances that, you know, we're used to seeing such headlines. But bear in mind, this is the championship we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think that's possibly where the rush to, um, to, to deal with it came from. There was some very... Um, scolding comments from Keith Hackett in the journal, which, again, you know, a high-profile name um, with, with great authority in the game and very well respected. He basically um, tore the whole thing to bits as well. And I think Rafa might have had something to do with this. I mean, the, the, that's the obvious one to look at. And his standing and the way that he dealt with I thought, I mean, I thought the way he dealt with it was... Um, very sort of mature and I, I can think of a number of managers who would have just jumped off jumped into the <laughs> deep end after after a game like that yeah. and uh, and lost the plot but I thought he was very measured I thought he bit his tongue and you know quite rightly kept it all under wraps and kept it behind closed doors that might have had some sway um, so surprised in one way given what you've said Andrew about the fact that it's hardly ever happened before but I'm not so sure that, you know, at that level, they're used to dealing with such, you know, high-profile backlash. Because let's be honest, it was pretty much widespread. You know, a, 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 you know, where where something like this might normally be held to account in the regional press, this was national headlines. So I think they've they've reacted to that as well. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd actually take it further than that, you know, Dan. Because it even got quite a bit of coverage out here in the Middle East on on B in sports and in in Dubai here in Sports 360, yeah. the local sports newspaper. Um, mm. And and as you say, for the championship in a region where the Premiership is God, that's mm. pretty much unheard of. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, we covered a lot of it in depth last week, obviously with, with Mark Halsey, and mm. and and th- to see the reaction out here and have people talking to me about it the next day and for a couple of days after. People who know, yeah. obviously, I'm a big black and white and, and, and But the first thing they wanted to talk about was the sendings off on Friday night. What happened on Friday mm. night? What was that referee on? You know, and, and that's, that is unusual. And mm. I think I'd also agree with you 100% that 
the way Rafa dealt with it was quite. Um, he said a lot without saying anything, and I thought that yes, was fabulous. Absolutely, absolutely fabulous. And there's no but way the FA could do anything to him. He just mm. put totally battered the ball back into their court and said, "Right, there you go, crack on." Mm. Mm. It was. In, I think the, the the interesting thing that happened, obviously, because Newcastle lost in in essence three games in a week. It was probably very important that they they got back to winning winning form. Um, I think with the, were you, I think you were at the game, weren't you, Dan? Or yes, I was in the press. Yeah. Box, yeah. So it was in, I think for everybody, I think we just obviously want Newcastle to win and win well. Um, uh, the one thing that teams seem to be coming out with Dan is that, and Neil in a minute, but uh, is that Newcastle can stretch the field. They've got players that that can move around. Uh, mm. At high speed, which hasn't been mm. the case for a long, long time. Uh, before I, we talk about that, again, there's no Daryl Murphy in the Newcastle team. Um, mm. I thought um, after the performance uh, of Mitro in Non Forest, I did think that he would start to bring him in, um, mm. even two strikers. But there's so there's so much going on. It, like Perez, um, I, I'm not even sure he was in the 17, but. Um, I I just think it's it's maybe he's waiting until January I don't know but or he's injured but um, I would like to see him play because um, I you know Diarmi's going to come and Diarmi's going to have a good game and then go out but what was mm. your take from the game itself because obviously we we uh, we wanted a canter didn't we Yeah I mean I have to say from the outset Andrew it was one of the most one-sided fixtures I've seen um, in fact if not the most one-sided fixture I've seen this season involving Newcastle. It was very much a start-to-finish professional job. Um, again, we, you know, you touched on it before, the depth of the squad allowed us to make changes. Perez was carrying a bit of an illness, so didn't make the squad. And um, I think it was no bad thing giving the shirt to Diarmi. Uh, you know, people were rolling their eyes before the game and, and mm. perhaps questioning... You know what? What has the army brought to this side since he joined? Um, he was due a big performance, and I think, um, without a shadow of a doubt, he was the best player on the pitch for the first half an hour of the game. He, he looked like um, he had a real point to prove. Um, you know, he, he, he got amongst the Birmingham backline very early on. He made a nuisance of himself and I think brought to the table the kind of attributes that we expected from him when he first signed. He was, you know, he was strong in the tackle, he was very determined, he, he was chasing the second ball. Whenever he lost position, possession, sorry, he was, he was back at it straight away. The kind of um, reputation that he had when he signed was built on those attributes. And I think for the first half an hour, and certainly um, he looked like the player that we all thought we'd got when, when we signed him. Um, I think the Murphy one's an interesting one because, I, I, you know, purely from a squad perspective, he's clearly a quite a useful player to have around. But like you said, we're, the, the, there's something quite not quite right there. Injuries have obviously hampered him this season so far. Whether or not he would actually a fully fit um, if he would actually be anywhere near the squad anyway. It remains to be seen because of the way that um, Dwight Gale's banging them in, the way that Mitrovic is, um, albeit you know, playing a cameo role, he's still had a, a, an important um, role to play so far. So, yeah, interesting on Murphy, I think. But um, on the whole, I think 
the performance was such that, and I thought Gary Rowett, by the way, the Birmingham manager, was spot on afterwards. He said, "Look, this wasn't just this wasn't just a lesson in in football; it was a lesson in fitness because Newcastle did look, you know, ten yards fitter right the way from the first whistle to the last." I thought. What do you think, Neil? I did. I saw the Shelby goal and uh, sorry, the Shelby pass for Gufron. And he looked, for the first time, agile. He's been playing the Hollywood passes, but what was your thoughts on the game, Neil? Well, I, I thought uh, you can't really disagree with anything that Dan just said. It was exceptionally one-sided. Could have been 4-0 at half-time, let alone full-time. Um, we looked professional, we looked athletic, we looked fit. We certainly were a level above in every single way. Even uh, there's a couple of Birmingham fans I know out here speaking to them afterwards. And in the aftermath of the game, you know, they, they, they were saying, gosh, you just blew her away. Um, I don't know what woke or who woke the army up, but that was the player that we thought we were getting. And long may he stay. That, that was real all-action performance. Um, you know, stick one of them in every week. You've got a real player on your hands. Now, I know we've said this about Sissoko before. Let's hope he isn't this year's Sissoko. Let's hope <laughs> we, we, we've learned our lessons there. Um but fair play to him, he, he, he actually made, said a couple of weeks ago he recognised his performance had been below par. So has that come from within? Is that somebody who can look, take a look at himself in the mirror and say, no, I need to up my game? And he certainly did. You're right about Shelby, um, perhaps buoyed by the, the, the removal of the red card. Um, mm. There's still the mysterious looming, ever-delayed yeah. hearing. Uh, he said, she said, it, it, it's, a, it's a very strange one. Um, the more I hear about it, the, the weirder it seems to get. Um, so I don't know how that may or may not disrupt things, but it just generally we look far better equipped. And this is what we've been banging on about all season, about we're entering the time of year where this squad depth that we have, and they're now talking about potentially adding to that in January, is going to be the deal breaker. As, mm. as, as we enter the Christmas period into the new year, you know, it's same old, same old platitudes about heavy pitches, uh, intense fixtures, suspensions starting to bite. All of those things come into play now, and they really do in this league, because the fixtures come thick and fast now. And yeah. so that's where you know you're, I know you're going on about Murphy, 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 but that's mm. where he'll come into play, mate. There's, mm. there's going to be opportunities, and everybody's going to get an opportunity somewhere down the line, because injury suspensions and games that we have to play will come into play from the here on in. And that's what mm. Rafa's been preparing for. Yeah, I think that the window, I think that obviously the window's looming, isn't it? And I think they paid 3.4 million, was it 4 million, Dan, for, for uh, Daryl Murphy? And um, obviously he was on the, it was an asset for, for Ipswich Town, and um, you know, the fact I think it it must be down to injury, but he's got to build him up. But um, I would just like to see him. I think that we've obviously we haven't saw him, and the fact that we were four 0 up, I would rather have had Murphy on come on to play mm. than have mm. a meter on who, you know, how many I don't how many chances does like how many chances does he need for me? But um, you know, you, for me, I, I want I want 
I wouldn't say the perfect player, but you want somebody who comes on, even if it's five or ten minutes, to come on there and make a difference. Not just go up to the fans and put the hands in the end, you know, yeah. get them get them more hyped up because of that Demetrius song. It's not about mm. that. It's about making a difference, getting there and and assist. The whole point of being a good striker is is to give give as many assists as you can. I think that's the yeah. trouble, isn't it? We, I think we all look we always look for a little bit of something and somebody but um what gail incredible what he's going what's going on with him he just i think the two goals he scored were you know i wouldn't say i wouldn't suggest easy dan but they were they kind of were but um the, the third one just it shows what he's about isn't it? And he he's he's stretching mm-hmm. the play and mm-hmm. you know i i think when you do you think do you think they've, they've the added fact of Hayden with his tough tackling is helping as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, strangely enough, I mean, it's difficult when you're marking a player who's just scored a half, you know, the, let's not forget a perfect hat-trick, left foot, right foot header. I mean, mm-hmm. it's difficult to, to kind of give anybody who's just done that anything less than a 9 out of 10. Um <laughs> Weirdly, I thought, and and I wasn't alone. I, and a couple of people I spoke to during and after the game, notion at the same thing. He put the ball in the back of the net on three occasions. That that kind of sums up his game. Um, uh, there there wasn't you know there there wasn't a deal for him to do, and uh, you know like Rafa said in his post match press conference, that's what he does. You know that's what he's in the team for. If Newcastle are playing well, if the midfielders are playing well, if we're if we're getting joy, if we're getting joy down the flanks and we're finding the right kind of witch, he'll score goals. Full stop. You know, because mm-hmm. I mean, he is beginning to look like an absolute natural in front of goal. They were mm-hmm. all very confident finishes, um, and that half back are some of the best strikers that we've had over the years. It's not easy to to make it look as simple as that. Um, I think that's worth remembering. You know, a lot of strikers, they, they, they sniff out a chance and it's just not working for them or, or they have to work very, very hard to find the back of the net. Gail at the moment is just, uh, he's scoring with such regularity, but I think just as importantly, he's scoring with absolute ease. And, I, and they were, you know, they were all put on a plate for him. I thought um, Diame's cross for the header was exceptional. I thought Shelby's determination and run for the hat-trick goal was was um, to be applauded. But I think it's it's a it's obviously a confidence thing. Where you know I'm digging into the book of cliches here, but it's a it, strikers thrive on that confidence. But he's starting to make it look very very easy, and that's a great sign for a striker. I have to say, um, there's not many of, over the years in a black and white shirt that we can pinpoint and say, yeah. He's, he falls into that category. And I think, and I don't want to, you know, bang the drum too early for him because it's still early doors for Gale, but he's starting to look like the kind of striker that we've come to kind of know and love over the years. Um, so, yeah. and But like Rafa said, the, the first thing he said, one of the first things he said in his post-match press conference after the game was, look, we, if we play well, he'll score goals. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Because he knows where the back of the net is, he knows where he has to, he knows where he has to house himself to find these chances, sniff them out. Um, he's not the type of forward. I mean, you touch, you, you talk about Mitrovic. I mean, they're very different forwards. Mm. So different, in fact, to the point where I'm not sure the system accommodates Mitrovic in the mm. same way that it accommodates Gale. And I think that's where the problem lies. 
I'm not, I've heard lots of people tell me that you know, oh, Rafa doesn't rate him and Rafa doesn't trust him, and it's you know the the, the temperament thing is a problem for him. There may be some truth to all of that, but I think the overriding factor is he's such a different forward to Gale that you almost have to adjust you know, your entire system to accommodate him. And that's why I think sometimes Mitrovic ends up very isolated. I mean, I can think of more than one occasion where he's looked completely isolated. And, and obviously not when he trots on and the team are winning. It's a different, it's a different feeling. It's when you actually have looking for him uh, and you know direct the ball to him it's it's just a completely different way of playing the game and I think you know in order to accommodate that kind of forward you you just have to there's too much to tear up and change and especially with a game so I think um, yeah it's a funny one it's it's kind of hard to see where he's going to fit because he's I'm not so sure how long he'll he'll continue to be pleased just playing these kind of cameo roles that he's that he's currently doing at the moment. Yeah, it's it. I think that's a. I think Mitrovic is one of these people that he he he, he says he's quite happy to be. Uh, you know, as long as Newcastle win, they all say the same thing, don't they? And I mm. I think uh, I think the one thing I was going to bring up, uh, Neil, was that. Um, the one thing at home, um, we haven't been taking the game by the scruff of the neck, and that's been needed for a long, long time. Like you know, we've had yeah. a few losses now at home, and and the one thing, uh, maybe the pennies dropped, you know, they, that they have to they have to take it on, they have to grab by the nettle, you know. They were, to me, I, I watched when you see the army, I've never seen that the army. I think I've seen yeah. them once possibly, and that was in the cup where he got them two goals after missing a sitter. But, like, um, for me, Diame, they, you know, players have got to be told, this is, this is, this is your, this is your theatre. Old Trafford got theatre of dreams. If you grab that game by the nuts, you know, you're, you're going to cause any team problems. And I think Diame, Shelby, uh, they've all been told, I think, in no uncertain terms, in terms by um, Raf Benitez, that we've got to dominate the game and get at teams, make them suffer, make them hear that wall of wall of noise. We are Newcastle United. We've got Rafa Benitez, one of the best coaches in the world. We should be turning teams over. We should be making them not play. Neil. Well, yeah, and and you know you've touched on some very good points, and I think the system one, I think, is exactly the difference between to, between Gale and and Mitrovic. I think Diame definitely grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck at the weekend. I think Hayden was very unsung. He was all action, proper box to box and all over the bloody place. Um, I think Gale has these... i tell you what I like about Gale. It's the positions he takes. That's why he makes it look so easy. He takes yeah. up some super positions, makes some super runs. He's really good at dropping off. He's really good at it, not quite standing still, but not going into the box as fast as the defenders as anticipating them to when he creates a half a yard of space. And I tell you who he reminds me of sometimes, and you'll probably call us for this, but he reminds me of Kevin Phillips. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I see some of the things that Kevin Phillips used to do for Sunderland and what Gale certainly did at the weekend. Mm. And, and mm. when he yeah. was at his pomp and everybody was screaming for him to be in the England team, that's the kind of, they're the kind of goals he used to score. The goals where he suddenly create half a yard out of nothing, and then it would look easy, you know. Mm. And, and and this is the kind of kind of thing we want to see. We want to see players 
pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and doing this sort of thing. And you're right, Andrew, in a way, we should have now, we've earned the right, now we've earned the right to have a little degree of arrogance and say, right, we're in Newcastle United, you come to St. James's Park, bring your A game because we're bringing ours. Uh, and, and, and take it to them toe to toe because if we do there's nobody we've proved it again and again there's nobody in that division can live with we when we bring what A game hmm. it's Dad. when we let them get in that's when we give silly games away hmm. exactly Dan isn't it because the thing is every time that you know you keep on hearing oh, we, it seems to be a, a fallacy I hear on social media especially when they say, oh, we get an early goal. We've got a goal after two after two minutes. It'll uh, that'll get us going. That to yeah. me, I, I I can never believe that, Dan. When I when I hear that, I say, well, yeah, it's always nice to get a goal, but it can also it can also take you on on the wrong route. You can you you can sit back. You know, you it was yeah. it was perfectly illustrated by the way that we got the goals. We stretched the teams. We outran them. That's mm. what you have to do at home. You've got, uh, you know, it, what do you what do you think, Dan? I think you do. I mean, and I think um, again, we have to go back to actually the you know what what the Birmingham boss pointed out, which was a really important point for me. Was was that the, there was just a gap in in the in the whole physicality of the game that allowed Newcastle, and I mean especially people like Diarmi and Hayden, rightly rightly um, applauded for his performance. But he had so much joy. I mean, I, I just think of the amount of space down that right-hand channel in the first half. I mean, you know, any player worth his salt, given that amount of room, with the kind, you know, with with half the ability of Hayden, would have had a field day. And that's where the go- no surprise to see that's where the goals were coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's an interesting one, the home form, because obviously we've we've lost a couple of games and. Mm-hmm. Teams like Wolves, the teams you know that that came here, um, Huddersfield early doors, I think was a bit of an anomaly. Wolves actually, I mean, give them their credit. They're down there, you know, I think they're in 19th, 20th place at the moment. But they were one of the only sides this season to come to St James's Park and actually hand out a blueprint to the rest of the league to say, right guys, this is how you get a result away to Newcastle. Mm-hmm. You, you limit their chances, you stand on their toes, you don't let them breathe for one second. I have to say, you know, I, I, I know they're struggling and I know they're on a bit of a, a patchy run. I think they've only won one four, of the last... 4-4, we can win it. So, yeah, and I, you know, but, but they've actually... I mean, I thought at the time, I thought, hello, they've possibly done this league a favour here because they've handed out the perfect template of how to go and play Newcastle at their own game away from home. Whereas actually... You know, more often than not, what we've seen is Newcastle come up and get, and, you know, Saturday was a great example. I think back to the games like Ipswich Town, where we, you know, we got a goal and it just became formulaic. I mean, it, it just, it becomes a matter of how many, you know, how many gears can we work our way through? And that'll determine how many goals we score. And we've seen it in the cup against Preston, where we really put our foot down. QPR away was another one, although I know we're talking about the home form. And, and Saturday, I mean, you know, as well as they played on Saturday, I think they would have been just as happy with a 2-0 as they were a 4-0. And then I've heard other people, particularly Birmingham fans who are at the game, saying, well, it could have been... And, and I think you touched on it earlier, Neil, it could have been 4-0 at half-time. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, there's, there's a sort of a strange approach to home fixtures now because um, we have played a, a few of the a sort of teams up there. 
I think the Sheffield Wednesday game on Boxing Day will be an interesting one, just to, just as a side thought there. I, I think <laughs> there is a half-decent side. That will mark the halfway point of the season, so it'll be interesting to see you know, the sort of points tally by then. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that I haven't taken Boston's lead because I thought they, they kind of handed out a bit of a blueprint as to how play, to play Newcastle at St. James's. But a lot of teams just ha- obviously haven't seen the video of that one. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've got to get to the, the interesting issue as well on uh, Jurgen Klopp uh, telling uh, Gary Neville where to go uh, with mm. regards to his um, comments on uh, the goalkeeper. And mm. it just shows you the the Premier League it's completely un- unforgiving. That's why I I miss it. Like you know, you like I I I can't really go to games. I I don't like I can't I can't watch that of football. What what, what they currently play at St James's, but. Um, <coughs> If for me, it's hard to do that. But um, when, when you've got the Premier League and there's so much going on at, at any given moment, and you've got to obviously Sunderland. Obviously, normally we have Keith on tonight, but he's with family. Uh, he, he's deserting the show. He's one of the guys that you know is always talking about about Sunderland. But it's interesting when you, you you've got all these things going on in the Premier League, and um, me and Neil were talking about at the start of the show. When you look at Klopp, um, you know trying to talk about the fact that uh, Gary Neville, one of the best defenders, one of the, probably the best analytical pundits uh, on the show, um, that he tries to take him down just because he went into management and it didn't work out uh, for him. But I, I thought it was a bit disingenuous. Yes, if, he's go, if his goalkeeper hasn't played well, and he hasn't played well since he arrived, in my opinion, um, and he's not playing well, he didn't take on Jimmy Carragher, did he? When he said the no. same thing about um, the fact that he should be replaced at this time with Mignolet. Mm. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> Gary Neville's suitability. I'm not so sure. I, I, I think Gary Neville was was always um, quite an authority when it came mm-hmm. to, to being a pundit. And I've always he's someone I've always quite admired for being a little bit... Um, I mean, from an analytical point of view, he's obviously very switched on and he, and he knows the game, you know. I don't think we should let the, his experience in Spain sort of ride roughshod too much over his opinion. You know, let's not forget what he did as a player. Mm. Um, Klopp, I think, is one of these managers that kind of... Um, it's difficult for, for the whole thing. And I think, I suppose, it, the kind of model that Mourinho sets in, in his... You know, the roles that he's had in the past. It's difficult for the whole thing not to be... To become about them as opposed to the teams and the and the players and you know I I often look at Mourinho and think oh it must be exhausting you know trying to you know everything's about him and you know where, where we should be talking about the players and the performances and I'm just not sure that and I I understand Klopp's sort of um, necessity to to kind of defend his players I, I understand that of course um, and I, I would kind of half expect it. Um, I think the, the last thing you want to do uh, is is to get involved at that level. I think there are there are platforms you can use to defend your players, and and you know you can you can choose to bring it. I, I'm I'm just not so sure he's gone about it the right way. I, I like I said, I understand the necessity to defend your player, especially if it's a player that you you know brought in and, and replaced somebody else. He was with. on he was on his show for God's sake three weeks yeah. ago, mm. so you know. Mm. Every time they've had, they've had, I believe they've had private meetings together to talk about coaching and all that good stuff. Mm. And the, you know, you you always defend your goalkeeper, you defend your teammate, 
but you don't really wait. You, like if you're going to be asked a question, you just don't answer it. Why yeah. not just don't yeah. answer? Because, uh, like, for me, it was just it was a stupid thing what he said, and it actually interesting what um, uh, Gary bite back with tonight. Uh, yeah. Neil, you can tell him what he said because I, uh, I think yeah. it was stakely, wasn't it? Ah, he, yeah. he, he, he tweeted back about uh, he, he, he still knows a good steak when he sees one, but he's not a chef, I think, or something along those kind of lines. It, it, it's, it's a difficult one. He sort of stuck his head out and stuck his head above the parapet and had his, had his brains completely shot out, and now mm. he's going to get shot at again for going back into the studio. I guess in some ways he cannot win, but I think, no. you know, it, it, as you know, um, doing what you do, football's analysed from every side now it's analyzed yeah. in such depth yeah. you know some of the stats that are pulled out now are quite complex and, mm. and they, they seem to be looking at absolutely every little element of the game which mm. you know i'm used to from my love of you know american sports but to say creep, creep into, into football to the nth degree is quite interesting i'm always fascinated how people are trying to use and often misuse stats for me. I mean, I don't know what your mm. your take on that is, Dan. Obviously, from what you do. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting one. I think, um, you know, it's 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 relatively new to the game, like you're saying, Neil. And, I, and I, in this country, certainly, um, you know, I've I've a kind of um, sort of distant admiration for things like baseball that um, you know that that are completely so embroiled in stats that the, the game purely couldn't sort of exist without them. Um, I'm not sure if football needs to get... I mean, it's it's just the nature of where we are now. I think there's only so much you can look at in terms of the game itself. You know, once you've, once you've looked at the actual raw data that's in front of you and, and you, you, you sort of digest what's happening on the field... It's only natural, I suppose, and, and, and some might call it progress and some might call it unnecessary, depending on what side of the fence you're on. Um, I mean, I happen to think it's quite useful and, and, and certainly to, to break down things like, you know, distances covered and things like that or bring, bring a, a sort of fresh dimension to the game. What I'm not so sure about is actually identifying weak points. Um, I mean, the, let's not forget, this is stuff that clubs have been doing for quite a long time. Mm. You know, let's, let, I think that's important to remember because people are, you know, there are people employed in full-time jobs who have been, and, and it's, not, it's not, so, not so new behind the scenes, you know. That's their job, to, to analyse the squad, to analyse the weak points in the side, to analyse who's not quite up to it fitness-wise. To then play that out in the media and certainly to then the ramifications of that on social media may be construed as a little bit damaging. I'm not so sure. There is obviously going to, always going to be positives and negatives to stats like that. Um, I think to to target goalkeepers especially, and I mean, you know, Pep Guardiola's going through the, through the same thing with, uh, with, with Bravo at the minute, you know. He's having to defend left, right and centre because he's let the England goalkeeper go out on loan and replace him <laughs> with, you know, what essentially looks like a, a, a sort of... Um, more of a sweeper than a goalkeeper, <laughs> but uh, and, and, and more power to him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we may see the long-term benefit of that. From, from, I'm, I'm sure Guardiola believes that himself. But what he has to do in the meantime is is 
take the shots that are fired at him. Um, exactly. And they're coming from all angles. And, and, and it's unfortunate that, you know, it's a polarised position anyway. You speak to any goalkeeper and they'll tell you how lonely it is. Um, and I'm just not so sure that it's, it's, it's as useful as it is. Certainly an outfield player, you know, we're not, they're not going to come under the same amount of scrutiny unless they do something that warrants it. Mm. Whereas goalkeepers, I think, they're in the firing line from the first whistle anyway, aren't they? So it's, mm. it's sometimes a bit of a lose-lose situation for them. Uh, I'll bring, obviously bring in my next... Sorry, sorry, Neil. I've got to bring in my next, next guest. Sorry. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, just to talk about stats, if you want to see the, probably the most fattiest stat ever that was revealed at the weekend. I don't know if you saw it in the uh, Detroit Lions game where the, the, the quarterback Matt Stafford plays wearing gloves and CBS during the coverage brought the huge news that he'd changed his gloves for a career-high fourth time. Big game. <laughs> you know, this, this is where it's just it's gone now with, with yeah. the stats in the States. I mean, what on earth? Possessed yeah. anybody to put that on as a as a strap mm. line during the middle of the game? God. Yeah. Well, they've got like, they've got time to fill in. They've got four hours. But uh, I'll, I'll obviously bring in my next guest this evening. Uh, if Dan, if you're okay to stay on it, I've got uh, Steve Hasty from Newcastle Fans Forum. Good evening, Steve. Evening, guys. How are you no, doing? No, Steve. No right. stats. I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> so it's interesting. I'm waiting. That, that we know what's going to happen now. The Daily Mirror and. Uh, the rest of the newspapers and Sky, they'll start sort of analysing goals by players wearing gloves over the next <laughs> Christmas period, yeah, won't they? Right. And then the colour of the gloves, you know, who was wearing, you know, which one's carrying the Santa hat down their sock, you know? <laughs> and so it'll go on. You know, it's going to be one of those, now that, now that Neil's let that cat out the bag about the Detroit Lions. But uh, anyway, no, it's interesting the conversation you're just having about, about stats and things like that, because obviously... And Danny mentioned earlier about uh, the way that uh, you know teams are analysed uh, internally. Obviously, even mm. even down to anyone who's been to the training ground, down to the juniors and uh, yeah. and the academy squads, where you you walk around and uh, it's all up there for the boys to understand you know, how many miles they ran uh, Monday to Wednesday, what the drop off rate is, what you mm. know, and they actually get told, "You're well, you've ran 11 miles, so actually, what do you want you to do?" Seven in the next three days because we're bringing you, bringing you down from a high, if you like, and it's all mm-hmm. analysed and it's all, you know, gone are the days when you just sort of threw some coats down a dead Benwell and said, run round them <laughs> and, uh, you know, see how see how fast you can trudge through the mud, guys, you know, mm-hmm. and then best of luck with the toilet. <laughs> it's I think uh, Steve, the, 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 probably the one thing, the interesting thing it's been, isn't it, when it comes to goalkeepers. How uh, our our goalkeeper Darlow seems to be, um, you know, doing a really great job, and he doesn't seem to get a lot of recognition for the fact that he's um, doing a great job. I think possibly the the little error he made against Forest when he came for that cross um, probably diluted it a little bit. What's your what's your what's your no, thoughts yeah, on him? You're, you're right, and 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 he's he's played very well this season when when he's. When he's been required to pull off saves, he's been there. Um, he's, he's playing with a consistent, usually a consistent back two in front of him. Um, Clark has been outstanding since he signed, and I think uh, you know that there's probably not a Newcastle fan around who wouldn't say that he did, that he expected Clark to be putting in the performances that he has since he came. He's made himself almost uh, uh, undroppable. Uh, Lascelles, he has this maturity about him. Um, that allows, obviously, there's a partnership between the two from that time in Nottingham Forest. 
And I think when you when you look at that in comparison to say what's happened, like for example Manchester City with Bravo and the way that that uh, he has them playing, uh, you know sometimes a back three, sometimes a back four, sometimes they seem to play with a back one, uh, you know, and John Stones completely exposed uh, mm-hmm. as he was at the weekend. And then you've got Chelsea who are playing with a back three and their goalkeepers barely having to make saves, you know, because mm. the, the, they're playing with a nice, consistent formation with a nice, consistent uh, group of three who are solid and in a line. And I think what we've got at Newcastle is we've got some very good goalkeepers, but we've got one who's holding the shirt down, but he's playing in front of two lads who are, are bang on form and are putting in consistent performances. And at that that's helping the confidence of the rest of the team and whoever comes in at fullback. Uh, there's a system that's being played, whether it's Lazar who comes in or Gamers, or um, whether uh, Anita is brought back in. Those the two full two fullbacks, one on either side, know exactly where they're being, that they need to be at any particular time, and it's the organisation, and that that helps immeasurably, you know. We'll, we'll probably somebody will probably come on now and tell you all about the stats involved in that. But uh, no, Dallo is, is is playing superbly well. Although on Saturday he was barely tested, you know. Mm. Uh, I think that uh, there was only, in fact, I can't recall him putting in a save of any particular note because they were they seemed bereft of ideas and mm. barely wanted to cross the halfway line uh, for most of the first half. Um, when they did play football in the second half, when they were 3-0 down, they looked as though they could play. But the pressure was off them then, uh, whether it was because that's the way that they were being told from the touchline, uh, the way that they lined up. But, uh, you know, let's not you know, take anything away from the performance of Newcastle, who, as you said earlier, if they want to move through the gears, then they've got that ability to move through the gears. Um, and look very, very comfortable and are playing some lovely football around the fact that we've scored four goals. But the sum of the football on, on Saturday was, was sublime to watch. It was great, you know. You guess the thing is, Dan, you can, and I'll get to Neil in a second, but the interesting thing was you can't see any, well, at the moment, with all the players that are coming back for Newcastle, Dan, you can't see a way back full of, full of, full of cells, can you? For Matt Sells, did you say? Yeah, Harry? yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, Darlo hasn't really put a foot wrong, and I, and I think he he does. And, and and I think you're right in what you've just said about the fact that he didn't have a great deal to do at the weekend. But you know, credit to him, he does seem to be one of those goalkeepers that just breeds a little bit of confidence. And and I think that's a that's a real key um, sort of bonus for the goalkeeper when you can just. And, and you mentioned Chelsea, uh, Chelsea are an interesting one at the moment because they're not conceding goals. Um, They've found a system that really works for them, but they're safe in the knowledge that you know they have a goalkeeper that does inspire confidence. And I, look, I, I particularly look at that Premier League and think now, well, does Carrius inspire confidence despite what Klopp's come out to defend him? Does Bravo inspire confidence? Does Stecklenburg at Everton inspire confidence? Not really, you know. And you can see that you can see that kind of ripples through the rest of the side, regardless of how well you're playing. If you know that your keeper's got a, a, a sort of a rick in him, a weakness, if you like, then it, it doesn't inspire confidence. It's unfortunate for Sells because I don't think you become a bad goalkeeper or a bad player overnight. Yeah. But I, I do think that he's had a, a, a couple of questionable performances and he hasn't helped himself, particularly um, the simplistics, you know, covering your near post, that kind of thing, which is, is yeah. kind of basic stuff. 
It's a shame. I, I don't think he's a bad. I mean, you know, look, we've had our share of if he keep us over the years, but and I don't think he falls into the category of some of them. But uh, I, I think it's going to be hard to look beyond Darlow because you, you, you do have that confidence that regardless of how well Newcastle are playing, and you know, you, you rightly mentioned Birmingham didn't put them under a great deal of pressure. They didn't even have an attempt off target till the 70th minute on Saturday. So that tells you a little bit about how dominant and one-sided the, the, the performance was. However, you kind of think with Darlow that if he has to be called into action, then he'll, you know, more often than not, um, he'll get the job done. Sells, mm-hmm. we're not so sure, and I'm, and I'm not so sure that we'll actually ever find out because I, I can't see how they'll keep a goalkeeper of, of his repute. I mean, he's got a great reputation on the continent. They love him back in his home country. Yeah. And, and, um, and I think that might come to the fore um, if he's not, you know, if the chances aren't there and he's looking long-term. And we're, let's not forget Rob Elliott's on the brink of, of um, you know, he's working on his match fitness right now. His injury's cleared up. Good yeah. goalkeeper, you know, great shot stopper. You've got a... a a superb young keeper in Freddie Woodman knocking on the door. I'm not so sure. I think he might take a longer view and think maybe, you know, we just draw under a line, a draw a line on this, head back to the we've, continent and, and start from scratch. Well, we've also got Tim Crow signed up on a contract yes. extension coming back to fitness out at Ajax. Yeah. And yeah. we've got, we've actually got five keepers mm. that you could look at and say, go and should we get promotion? Which three of these do we take forward to the Premiership? Because yeah. there's a there's a there's a paper between some of them. Well, <laughs> and it's, the fr- it's 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 the Fraser Forster thing all over again, isn't it? I mean, yes. I I, I was at the club when when both Fraser and Tim were playing second fiddle, and there was nothing. And in terms of quality, there was nothing between no, them at the time. Was, you might think that there is now, but but at the time there was absolutely nothing between them. So it's a, it's, it's a similar it's a it's a similar situation and um, yeah it's a tricky one to see how it will play out Neil. It's, inter- it's interesting though, isn't it? I was going to say Neil, it's interesting that uh, you've got you've got Sells who's come in from the continent and seems to be struggling. You've got Carrios at Liverpool, obviously another continental player, the style of football perhaps he's struggling. Stecklenburg when he first came to the Premiership. Um, or first came to England, he, he struggled a bit. We've had we've had a number of keepers who have come from abroad with possibly reputations, and it's ta- it takes them quite a while to settle. Once they settle, however, yes. you know they, they then can turn into into wonderful goalkeepers. Pavel Cernicek took ages to settle. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, Heslop. Yeah, Shaka Heslop took a, took a while to settle, even though he, you know. Um, and so it's 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 one of those positions. Once a goalkeeper, once he once he, he knows what he's got in front of him. Once he once there's a style of play. Once he knows, and he has that confidence to what to come for, what to leave. I mean, there's always been this. You know, um, you come out and punch a ball. We, we don't like goalkeepers coming out and punching. We like them catching. The Europeans like the other way. And when I was sit, sitting with Rafa a few months ago, and, and we were talking, we said at the time the cells was was holding down a place. It was against Brighton. And we said Sells uh, had a had a good game, and he and Rafa's first words were, "Yes," he says, um, but uh, he says he, he's he's coming out and punching with one hand. He says when he can, when he comes out and punches with two and gets the same distance, then I'll be happy, you know. And so straight away the guys under pressure because the manager 
you know, obviously Rafa's a perfectionist and he wants, you know, everything done his way. But he's, mm. he's watching his goalkeepers and he's spotting things within that. You know, we thought the kid had had a great game. But, oh, no, right? I'm looking for more. I'm always looking for more. Mm. And it, I suppose it then comes to the point where has that footballer, has that player got the mentality to be mm. able to take that on board and do something about it? And perhaps Dolo has and perhaps Sells has taken because he's a little bit older. I mean, he's taking a little bit more time for the penny to drop than realise it's not a criticism. It's a way of making you a better goalkeeper. And Rafa mm. plays very much on this. I'm here to make players better footballers, you know. Um, so I think there's, I think that you know, it's it's, it's an interesting facet of, of goalkeepers, and uh, they are lonely people, aren't they? I think it's the one thing I've. Can you see Neil? Can you see Rob Elliott coming in to be the backup to um, Darlow? Because if if Sells only been here less than half a season, only oh. so. If Elliot does come in, that I think that would be the final nail in Celsius' coffin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Elliot seems to be very key part of the dressing room vibe, mm-hmm. and yeah. you're not going to remove him from that dressing room very easily because he seems to be part of the glue that keeps it together. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had him in the bloody coach going all over the place while he's been recovering from injury. Um, he seems to be well loved within that dressing room, and so. Um, they're going to want them involved. The players are certainly going to want them involved because they've kept them involved even when he's been injured. I think he doubles up as the number two coach driver as well there, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can imagine. Uh, yeah, the thing is, he, he obviously he signed, well, he signed an extension, hasn't he, to his contract, just like they all have, for whatever re- obviously to try and get as much money. Like for me, there's no way back... I don't. I, 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 there's no way back for Tim Krul. Um I haven't heard anything that he's been doing well in his current club. I think that ship has sailed. Yes, they're given the extension, but to me, Darlow, you know, he's, he's got things to do. I think Darlow, but I think he'll be pushed in the background. With Tim Krul being away and Rob Elliott in involved in the squad. Um, I think there's big, big things going to happen for Darlow. Um, the fact that he's in the championship will help him this season because there won't be a lot of g- glows on him compared to the Premiership and the England call. But um, you, you you would think, you would think anyway, uh, he's got a little bit more to come from him. And I think um, he easily beats out uh, Heaton at Burnley. But Heaton's uh, in the Premier League. I think that's why he's been given a chance. What do you think, Dan? I think Dan's gone, I think. I, I, I tell you what it is. Uh, I, I think what you've got to remember with goalkeeping and, and, and Darlow, Darlow's just a young lad, right? Now, mm. suppose Darlow finishes the, finishes the season, he, he, you know, he, he's, he's held, holding down the place. And then suppose the, the likes of a, an Arsenal who will be looking eventually for a new goalkeeper come in. And, uh, or maybe he's here at, uh, at Manchester United and decides he's had enough of Mourinho and wants away. Or maybe it's Liverpool... Uh, they don't want Mingley and they don't want uh, Karios. So they, they turn around and go, we're looking for a new keeper. There's a young English keeper for a start. There's, so, you know, there's those added pressures that come to clubs mm. like Newcastle. You know, if an offer came in for Darlow um, at, the, yeah, at the start true. of next season, whether they would take it. We look at Darlow's contract. We see whether, you know, what, the, you know, there's all of, all of those. I don't think, you know, 
Hey, Darlow might end up staying and, and holding down a, the goalkeeping spot for as uh, as long as some of our previous goalkeepers have, you know. But mm. you're never too sure in this game, you know. If an offer comes in, or if uh, if, a, if if a team is is looking for for a keeper, um, a young young British English keeper, um, he, he may move on. The lad may decide to move on. We never we'll never know uh, until the until the situation arises. But uh, just because we've got an abundance of goalkeepers now doesn't necessarily mean that you know it'll carry on and you have to lose somebody. You know, um, mm. I know that obviously goalkeepers, it, you know, there's the only position that they can play, so you, you tend to look at it and think, well, yeah, it's it's one of three. Somebody else on the bench and somebody loses out. But again, it's very rare that a goalkeeper gets injured and all of a sudden we had two last season with long-term serious yeah. injuries in Cruel and Elliot. You know, and before you knew it, Darlow was thrown into the mix and, and nobody rated him last season. Yeah, and people were crying out for Freddie Woodman, 99% <laughs> of which people had, had never seen Freddie Woodman play. You know, we'd heard his dad talk about him, <laughs> but that was it. You know, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about the, about the goalkeeping position and, and about whether somebody should, should stay or, or go or what's mm-hmm. going to happen. I'm, I'm very much for where we are at the moment. Uh, in terms of the lad's got the shirt, he's putting performances in. But I've, I would be, I would be confident if Dollar was injured on on Wednesday night for Sells to go back in uh, and play on Saturday. You know, and Elliot, mm. if he was nearly match fit to be sitting on the bench or or Woodman. Um, as long as I'm happy like that, I don't think that we've, we've got too many issues. Uh, Actually, the, the one issue I found on Saturday, Dan, because I think I think you went and you come back, but um, uh, Gouffron's hair. Now that was interesting, wasn't it? Oh, it's definitely a ruse just to just to confuse people, isn't it? <laughs> it confused most of the people in the ground, to be fair. <laughs> I think he's because I, I know Darla likes to have his hair cut um, <laughs> quite regularly, I believe. Um, so the, the, that's the only way I could think of it when I when I saw it. But oh, you, you see Yed, will you see Yedlin's hair then when he takes his hat off and you see what's underneath that one as well. <laughs> Because I think he got dropped because of that hairstyle. Yeah, well, they've, they've both gone for the old uh, touch of the blonde, haven't they? There's, there's yeah, definitely yeah. a hint of that in there. Definitely. Yeah. He likes uh, he, he's, Rafa seems Rafa seems to like um, Anita. I, I can only I can only think um, Anita came in uh, basically either Yedlin was under weather or the, there was something going on. He just or he just wanted to give uh, uh, Anita maybe did well during the week. Neil, what do you, what do you think? Well, I think he, 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 Anita brings a solidity, and I, I, I think he likes he'll pick and choose when he wants Anita in for his solidity, or when he wants uh, Yedlin in for his pace and attacking attributes. Mm. And, I, and I think that's how he, he seems to, to split it up. Um, although I was actually quite impressed with Yedlin when he was moved into midfield and went down to nine men. <laughs> um, I think the lads got a. a, a, a it, possibly a future away from right back. I think it depends on on how he wants to use him going down the line. But I think he, I think you're right. I think Rafa likes a solidity that Anita brings at that right full back position. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting as a player who, in the past, has said he didn't really want to play there. He's making the position his own if he wants it. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting demographic. Because I must, I kept on thinking all, all. Before the game, it would be Yedlin would be in all the time, but but obviously we've got a game on Wednesday, um, uh, and my brother's actually <laughs> trying to do a party on that day. 
I'm not coming, Grim. But like, um, <laughs> it's um, it's it's definitely uh, we're going to be go- we're going to go back to the di- the you know to the mix and the matching which Rafa normally does well at. So it's going to be I think um, the fact that um, we'll probably see changes again on Wednesday. Um, it 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 all, it all adds it up to the. But I think the main thing on on Friday after the uh, Brighton winning, uh, I'll push this one to Dan first and then Steve. But um, mm. I think it seemed to help the fact that um, that they won, and it made Newcastle come out and play play the way that they did. Dan. Yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, I think we can I think we can safely assume that Brighton are in this for the long haul. Rightly mm. so. I, I don't think. There's many Newcastle fans um, begrudge them that with the you know the, the Chris Hutton link, which I think is is you know still somebody who has an awful lot of respect at St James's. I think Brighton have shown that uh, they're just a, they're, they're quite street smart in this league. They're well they're obviously well experienced in this league, and I think they might just think you know what it's time we got out of here because um, you know they've been banging on the door for long enough. They do look, the, the, along with ourselves, they do look the strong the, one of the strongest sides of the division. And you're right. Um, Andrew, I think that you know the fact that we knew we had to win to go back top um, may have had an effect, you know, and and I don't think it would have necessarily um, made up Rafa's mind in terms of his team selection. I think he would have had that sewn up pretty, um, you know, much earlier than than the um, the night before. But it doesn't harm, I don't think, little incentives like that. Um, I'd I'd like to think that it, you know, that the top two will remain and. We can build a bit of a gap, and it becomes more about, you know, the battle for the playoffs and and below rather than the top two. Because I, I think Newcastle and Brighton clearly, at the moment, look that you know Newcastle being the obvious one, very very strong. Brighton just look streetwise in this league. They look, they look like they know their way around it. Um, yeah, and and I don't think it's I don't think it's a, a bad thing that there's you know a little bit of to and fro at the top. Um, like I said, it's it only becomes concerning when you when you drop out of the top two and you suddenly you you look what happens what's happened to Norwich. I mean, you know they they've dropped they haven't just dropped out of the top two. They're just, they're you know they're out of the top six and they're suddenly they're looking around and it's panic stations. Um, Trading places between first and second, uh, I think, is a, is um, you know a nice problem to have. It's when you go beyond that, you start to sort of um, see longer term problems. Yeah, I think um, I can't remember who we're playing on Wednesday actually, but um, Wigan. Oh, Wigan! Wigan oh, well, it's on live on TV. That'll be a good one. But like, um, I think, um, can you see any? Can you see um, Murphy coming in, Steve? Like quite uh, soon. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't, can't actually. No, and it's interesting. What I'm just—I can't see Murphy getting in at the moment. Um, I, I just don't think that uh, he's on the radar for Rafa at present. But what I would say is that the, what, if, what we saw on Saturday, we, we had Anita back in, and we saw an on-form Richie again, who, mm. for me, in the last few games, as we've chopped and changed with whoever's been behind him, he seems mm. to have struggled with. And I think I think Rafa to get the best out of Richie on Saturday decided to go with the the the, the form book in terms of we'll bring Anita back in. Anita from the start of the season was was holding down that place and and was back in. And I think knowing that you've got that solidity behind gives Richie that opportunity to move move forward. Whereas when you have when you have Atsu for example mm. um, and and Yedlin who are, who are sort of on that side of the pitch perhaps. 
um, you 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 tend to be a bit more um, interchangeable. But I think there's I think there's a quite a nice little um, sort of teamwork and rapport and, and understanding between Anita and Richie, and I think it's working really really well. And obviously on the other side you've got Gufran with with uh, with Dummett. And again, uh, Dummett was back in, and, and uh, Dummett uh, didn't didn't really put a foot wrong, you know. Uh, and nobody did, to be perfectly honest. But I think you, you also Rafa looks at in, in in terms of what he's got, and obviously we were without um, Perez on Saturday because he was ill. Um, it, we had Hayden in the midfield because Callback's still injured, and we've got an abundance of riches, and we can. It's it's. Very similar styles, if you like, but we can tinker, uh, and, and the adjustments that Rafa makes are critical adjustments based on who we're playing, and the, and those adjustments do have a change, give a change of style of football, just just every, just minutely, but it it just this little change allows that player to do something different, frees up that player, tightens that little bit up for that particular game, you know, and yeah. I think yeah. if anything, it shows that we've got we've got a fantastic team spirit. Because everybody who's coming in is is worthy of the shirt and is worthy of staying in the team. Obviously, they, they, they know that they're not necessarily going to stay in the team because Rafa mm. is, is, has got them up, but they're all bought into it. And mm. for that, you know, you, you look at the management and you look at Rafa and his team and you go, hey, you know, this is totally different to what we had under Pardew. Um, there doesn't seem to be any favourites or anything. He's got players that he stays with. The likes of Shelby, for example, but nobody would be wanting to drop Shelby because Shelby's making that team tick in terms of the the way that he creates his own space and can ping the ball around, and it, it's um you know fantastic to watch at times. It's interesting, Dan, isn't it? And then, then Neil, that that the incident with Shelby, the the case, um, it's still a bit ambiguous to say the least, isn't it? Because it's it's on the football pitch, it is. What you know? What she said, isn't it? But um, mm. it, and it just seems that it's not really. I, mean, I, I believe it's juice quite soon. I can't remember when it is, but it's quite soon. But it is, yeah, yeah. It's and it, it to me, it doesn't really. If you can, you, you're going to have somebody saying, mm. "I heard this. I've got something that says that." Um, you know, maybe sometimes the FA should just say, "Well, it's a. It could be. It could have been lost in translation because the guy doesn't speak very good English." Um, how you have you got five or six players in that cauldron that can hear what he said? It's not like it's. Um, I remember when John Terry got done, didn't he? Uh, but he's caught on camera saying a lot of these things. So uh, when it comes to a championship game, which probably wasn't it, it was wasn't really on TV, not much anyway. The goals are always shown, but it's a bit. It, you know, obviously they're already talking about a five-match ban, but if one person's backing them up and the other one's backing the other person up, it's it's it seems to me. Um, a, a bit of a strange action. The one thing we haven't talked about actually um, all night, and I'll probably bring it in now, is um, uh, it's interesting that Dario Grady has been done by, uh, he's been suspended by the FA after all these years of the, obviously the, the, the child abuse, and he's allegedly gone to, to players' houses, kids' houses, and them days to say, oh, I'm sorry that you know he was maybe out of order, but that's a stunner for for, for Crew Alexander, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's um, it's a tricky one to know how they, you know, interesting to see how they 
deal with and, and you know let's not forget it's a it's an ongoing kind of um, developing story um, yeah. and so the game's constantly kind of adjusting to different lines um, in terms of the news and the, in terms of the figures involved and in terms of the quite how broad it is we don't know and you know like all developing stories it's it's not clear you know how um, how much more is going to come out um, I don't think I mean I think you just you know they, you have to be taken out the limelight in that situation we, we, we don't know his involvement and we probably it'll be a while before we find out um, and again we're subject because of because of the nature of um, you know the way that people use social media and things mm. we're subject to all manner of speculation and that doesn't necessarily help something is which is a, you know this is a this is an incredibly sensitive subject that the, that the game you know that not necessarily being dealt with by football media but but be, being dealt with by news desks which is you know we, we never like to see football on the on the front pages as opposed to the back pages because it normally means that something's gone awry and that's the case this time I mean um, you know from a media perspective. I, I don't think um, we can look at beyond the work done by the journalists involved that have, that have actually got under the skin of this. And, you know, I think it's hugely important, but it's also very, it's also just as important to not let, you know, speculation run away with itself. Yeah. Because it's, uh, I think, I think it'll be a while before we get there. Yeah, I think what's important to remember in this, obviously, like you say, there's, there's an ongoing uh, investigations that are mm. constantly, it's a constantly moving target. I think yeah. that, that if, if we can say anything about this suspension of, of, of Dario Grady, mm. I think the actual suspension itself came about simply because he was asked a question mm. and, he, and he answered it no, and then a couple of days later he transpired <laughs> that he did know about the case. Yeah, so exactly. straight away he, he was, he was, it, there was, it, there was a denial of knowing anything to do with the, with mm. the situation, and then it transpired that he was he was heavily involved in in that particular person's case, mm. Um, mm. even though it was 30 years ago. At that point, there was you're right; he had to be taken out the firing line mm. Um, mm. for the club's benefit, for football's benefit, mm. and for his own benefit. And I, I don't know whether he was trying to be clever or whether he was just you know like most people when you get boxed in the corner, mm. he's going to deny something. Uh, not knowing, uh, and, and maybe he's forgot or whatever. You don't know, but the fact is, that, in that situation there's something going though, on, you know. Yeah, something going on. But Neil, uh, as Steve just right, correctly said, um, but to me, if I'm if I'm boxed in like that, you just turn and say, "Listen, there'll, there'll be a full statement uh, coming." You don't have to be boxed in, Neil. Well, look, he's released a statement in the last hour, hasn't he? Yeah, I haven't seen that. Pretty, yeah. pretty straightforward. It will be inappropriate to comment. And yes, I'm going to cooperate fully and blah blah blah, right. um, which yeah. is quite right and quite proper. That's what you should do, and probably what he should have said in the first mm -hmm. place. Yeah. Um, it's quite right to get him out of the way. Get him yeah. out of the way. While, uh, while things are investigations are ongoing, you take anybody that could be involved in that respect. You take them out the firing line. You get them out of the way. And that's what the FA are doing. That's all, all they're doing. It's not a statement of anything. Um, it's, it's part of normal process in something like this. Um, and it's important that it's done correctly. And it's important that it's done in a calm and, and, and reasonable way. 
there's not got to be any witch hunts or sensationalism. Uh, we can't yeah. have that happening. There's enough of that happens in the game over trivial things, mm. let alone something as absolutely significant as as this. Um, I think it's also mind. Neil. It, yeah, it's also important that that whatever's going on in that respect, it allows the investigation to continue uninterrupted, unabated, without any mm. of the the witch hunt surrounding individuals um, deflecting from it um, or, or clouding it in any way, shape or form. Let, let the authorities that need to uh, do the investigation that needs to be done, whether it's police, whether it's the FA, whomever it happens to be, let them get on with it. But don't think that it, it then should be... Um, hidden behind uh, some investigation to one individual because of that one individual's action uh, uh, that, that happened 40-odd years ago that he's come out and said he knew nothing about and then transpires that he did. Uh, because that kind of deflects from the very, very seriousness of the, the individual footballers. Um, right across, and I think we've now got 300, over 350 mm-hmm. uh, men who have been involved um, and had and, and made allegations that are now being investigated. So let's not think that one comment uh, misplaced or whatever mm-hmm. uh, by someone is is uh, is going to deflect. Act is guilty. Not, uh, you know. Yeah, I think the I one mean, thing he's not I... guilty of, all he's guilty yeah. of, is, if anything, is the fact that he said he knew nothing about it, and then mm-hmm. it turns out that he did know that this bloke had mm-hmm. done something because that's mm-hmm. been proved. Uh, so far, now he's gonna he's gonna make sure that he has all his ducks in a row when mm. when he gets mm. questioned by the authorities because undoubtedly the will, uh, and he'll be able to answer why and who who told him to do that, who told him to say that, who told him to act in the manner he did, and why he acted in the manner he yeah. did, yeah. And, uh, and that's part of the investigation. Yeah, I think the interesting thing I found, Dan, obviously I've got a couple more minutes because I've got to bring in Lee, but. Um, the one thing I found was Matt Letizier, uh obviously went on TV and he mentioned an incident when he was a kid. And I think a lot of people, you know, when you think of kids, you think, what, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, playing playing football uh, away from their families. And it's it's just incredible. How was a kid in them days? Probably, the, well, look at the, if you look, if you look at the fellas who this has happened to, my age I think maybe four or five years so you can imagine what it's like having something like that happen to you it's like and you know how to talk about it because any feelings you had when you're a kid like I can't remember like I was bullied for years in school did I did I go and say did, did I go and tell anybody not really I, I kind of hit it but it came out so you know it eventually but even then, it's a risky thing to talk about. So, and then you add on, uh, if you add on abuse, and you're a kid and you don't even know what the hell sex is, really, because you don't, you don't even know what the, you, the closest you see that is your your mother and father having a kiss, or whatever. But um, it, it is jaw dropping what when you hear what's actually happened. It's really near the knuckle. But but um, I've you know going ahead with the football this weekend, uh, this this Wednesday. Uh, I think Newcastle have. It's going. I think it's going to be a good game at one of our bogey grounds, Dan, isn't it? I think Dan's gone. Um, Neil, you sorry. Neil, I think he's gone. Hold on, I'll bring him back. But um, let's look. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it is. It is. It's an interesting place, Wigan. We've we've played really well uh, at times at Wigan, and we've struggled at Wigan. You know, I can remember some 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 decent games, but I can remember actually, you know, getting absolutely turned over. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm more I'm more interested in in what's coming on Saturday <laughs> when we're down at, down there, and then of course the big game which we've always had some fantastic games against, which is Sheffield Wednesday, and the fact that that's an evening kick-off on Boxing mm-hmm. Day, quarter eight kick-off again on TV. I look back to the, the 1990s and the, the games where Mel Sterling and people like that were playing for, for Sheffield Wednesday, and, and, you know, we hated that bloke, didn't we, Neil? You know, <laughs> oh. uh, you know screaming at the top of voice, I mean, because he always used to play really decent. We hated him. And, and you know, you look, you look at Wednesday, and the, I think... Uh, you, 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 I can remember that look, the, the the fullback, the other fullback they had, who was the Irish international, who ended up being a, a manager. Um, you know, uh, they, they they played some really strong football uh, back in the nineties. I've got a friend who's a Sheffield Wednesday fan, um, and uh, you know, he he's obviously feels as though he's been in the doldrums for quite a while. But don't underestimate the hatred that they still have for Sheffield United either. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say, will you give me a score for um, for for Wednesday, Dan, before I let you go, and I can bring in uh, Lee. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, Wigan, you look at the table and you think, mm, yeah, it should be pretty straightforward, but you just never know, do you? I mean, I think it might be similar to the types of games where we've seen Newcastle go to places like uh, you know Rotherham and, and Bristol City and. Get the goal and then you know kind of grind it out. I don't think it'll be particularly pretty to watch, but I can I can see a slender away win certainly. Yeah, Steve, give me a give me a score before I bring in before I let you go. I think I think we will. Uh, I think we'll turn Wigan over. Uh, they're not a they're not a good team. I think they're very similar to what we've seen. I don't think that the sort of team that will raise their game against them I think will be too strong as long as we can keep 11 players on the pitch um, and, and not go through what we did at Nottingham Forest I think, we, I think we'll be strong enough to, to win by at least two clear goals and I think that Saturday uh, I expect we're to carry on in the, in the winning vein should be great thanks a lot Steve and, and Dan thanks for coming on so late great. Dan I appreciate no that thanks a lot cheers no problem thanks a lot thanks Dan thanks Steve cheers Dan bye now uh, great. Thanks, thanks to Dan coming on so late in the programme, uh, and obviously Steve Hasey is ever brilliant to have the two gentlemen on as, as ever. Well, we're going to bring in our, uh, our next caller this evening, and that is uh, Lee Johnson. Good evening, Lee. How are you? Hello, mate. Good. Hi. So, tell me, you must be very, very happy on Saturday, uh, after obviously when the team news came in, yeah, um, obviously Yedden didn't play, but uh, a, a very, very efficient and dominating uh, performance by Newcastle. I would say it was probably our most complete performance of the season. Um, we dominated from start to finish, to be honest with you. I think 4-0 actually flattered Birmingham. Uh, we were so much in control, it was untrue. Um, most players were pretty, pretty much played, um, I would say, a steady 7, <clears throat> seven out of 10, and then uh, you had a few on the 8th and 9th. Um, we were comfortable all game. Uh, certainly Johnny's Johnny's best game of the season. Um so yeah, it was really pleasing. It was a good reaction to obviously losing the Forest the week before in the circumstances. Now obviously we'll have the we'll have the news that the two red cards have been rescinded, which mm-hmm. I totally agree with because I didn't agree with the red cards at the time. Um, and I think the team 
hopefully have set a marker down for the rest of the season where so we are going to we are going to do a little bit of this mentality type of thing and think right everyone's against us come on let's just go and try and steamroller everybody. Mm. I mean, do you think this is this is could be the point where we actually have woken up and kick on? I, I personally well, think this next little run of games is an opportunity for us to really lay a marker down going into the new year. Well, we've kept seeing, we've kept seeing, but we don't think we've played. How can I put it? It sounds daft saying we played particularly well, but I don't think we've hit what I would class as sort of like top gear. But on Saturday, it was. I mean, bear in mind, I think Birmingham the fifth. Is that right? Birmingham the fifth. And it yes, was, it's... It, honestly, it was. It was literally men against boys. It was like a. Mm. Uh, well, I don't. Even, I don't even know how to describe it. It was. Uh, I suppose if you think sometimes maybe in the FA Cup, a, a really, really decent Premier League team playing against the League One side. I think that's how mm. kind of comfortable it was. We, like I said, we could have blown them away. Uh, we, we just were so much in control, and I think obviously what happened at Nottingham Forest, uh, maybe it put it's put a little bit fire in some of the players' bellies because. Um, you know, they couldn't have been what happened. couldn't have been happy what went on down there, and I, I personally have, you know, continued to slag off the referees when we've been winning football matches, and I don't know if some of the referees have been trying to make names for themselves off of the back of Newcastle United. Well, but I tell uh, you what, but with referees, mate, the interesting thing is I see we've been appointed probe at the Premier League referee for the game at Burton on Saturday. Have they? Yeah, it's uh, um. Now, is that the Football League listening and saying, look, this is going to be a high-pressure game, Newcastle going to Burton, there's going to be lots of pressure in a closed space, let's put somebody who will feel can handle it better in the centre. I don't know what you think, but that's it. it seems like an interesting move. I just got a, um, <clears throat> I just got a shudder through my spine when you said that it me and Lee Probert. <laughs> but yeah, then again, I know. I but then again to be honest with you, <laughs> I mean, I would never, ever thought I would see this, right? But I've, ex- mm. I've actually missed Mike Dean this season. And I never thought I'd say that, ever. Ooh, Mike Dean, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm on television, it's me, just Mike stand- Dean. It's, it's standard-wise, standard Neil. Standard-wise, blatant, you know, blatantly obvious things. And uh, they, mm. they get the bog-standard things. Well, incorrectly, everyone said that I would notice the standard in the championship uh, drop from the Premier League. Well, yeah, what I've noticed, uh, the, probably the standard of the referee has dropped massively beyond that. Terrible. Yes. No, we, we were warned that by the, the, the borough lads over here, that we, we speak to regularly, they, they were saying, just wait till you see some of the referees you'll get. Uh, and I have to say that they, they'll sit there every now and again and again and go, told you so. Uh, <laughs> and and they, they weren't wrong. <laughs> it's, it, we've had some absolute stinkers from week one. From week one, Quite we've been told bad decisions and, and dubious decisions and, and and this is the thing and it almost makes me sound like a broken record some weeks but it's, it's when it, it's, the, it's the level of inconsistency not just game to game but within a game and when you look at it you're saying well hang on why have you given that and then you haven't given that if you can explain to me in less than 20 words why and you know with a reason other than because then I'll, I might accept it, but nobody can actually look at some of these things and go, oh, I can see why. You know, I, I still try and put my low-level Northumberland FA refereeing head on, and I look at things and I think, well, why is the referee given that? Is there something he can't see? Is there something he's, he's in the wrong position? Is he, not, is he obscured by something? And sometimes I look and I just think, you've got no excuse not to give that. 
Um, I think there was, a, there, was, there was a wonderful example of a linesman at the weekend. Flagging, didn't know what to do, so he flagged, corner, goal, click, foul, offside, sub. Bang. He just had all the movements in one go. Because he just plainly didn't know what to do. Just pathetic. It's just been pathetic from start to finish. But, and I will, we'll back on. Well, I think we'll back on track. I think a lot of the players will back on. Shelby was outstanding. Shelby was outstanding. He kind of over me. Everything on him. Is there? Neil is Andrew searching for Christmas presents there or something? I think he is. Sounds like he's in some sort of cupboard trying to search for Christmas presents. I tell you what, his man's not going to be happy if he finds them. I was actually eating a fish finger. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! You were actually eating the fish With finger. With pasta. I was eating the fish finger. I've been working in Chester Street the day, you know. I need some. I'm going to a restaurant with you if that's how you eat. Jeez, I thought I'd been quiet. Are you on a nice budget again? I am on a budget, yeah. <laughs> I've got a few when the, when the show finishes. I've got a few things to tell you, but so tell me when you was the good thing about watching Newcastle's game that there, there was a lot of it was more up tempoly than what we've probably seen in the past, and we've gone from it, we've gone for the throat straight away. We did. I, I think I honestly think I, I said after the Forest game, I thought this would have a, a positive effect on us. Um, and it certainly seemed that way. We were, we were, we were about them from the off. I mean, we didn't let them settle. We didn't let. We hunted in packs. We closed them down. We could have, like I said, we could have really steamrolled them, and we did. We did once we got the third goal and things like that. We, some lovely movement and different things. Getting in behind the fullback. We got in behind their fullbacks loads of times with just little one twos, little bit piercing behind and things like that. And it was really good. It was. It was just, uh, it was good to watch. Um, I mean, I, I, I really, really, I mean, I know obviously Dwight Gale will get all the plaudits for getting the hat mm-hmm. and obviously people's mentioned Army, which he deserves because obviously, you know, he's been, he hasn't been great this season. He's kind of just wandered along with Perez and it's been our little problematic position in the number 10 role. But I tell you, it was really starting to stand out. Um, I think we've got a gem, considering he's only 22, um, that young Hayden lad. Yeah, um, his, his turn of pace when he gets the ball and knocks it into the space to drive into the box, it's something to behold, I'm telling you. Mm. And he's, he's only a young boy, and Rafa's obviously gotten a hold, getting a hold of him, and he'll only improve him. And again, another lad who, <clears throat> I, I just think he gets better with every game. And I, I don't see him playing any other position for Newcastle unless we're struggling for maybe a full-back. The odd game, Kieran Clark, is exce- exceptional. Absolutely mm. exceptional. It's interesting that Teori's been brought in the last couple of squads, though, hasn't he? I think it's a, a shot about shot across the both the bows, isn't it, Neil? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, I was just distracted by something on Twitter. There's a there's a fire down on the palm, by the looks of things. Oh, wow. oh, there's always something going down there, isn't there? Mate, is it? Some of the some of the uh, buildings are not particularly fireproof in this part of the world. <laughs> yeah, the yeah I've just see, I can see it. It's more like made of fireworks. And honestly, <laughs> some of the things. Once these things gone up, gee, I mean, there's no stopping them. We're in that market as well, aren't we? <laughs> That's the <Aye>. trouble. <laughs> you know, think you know, think um, uh, Benitez is just like putting uh, Tiori on the bench, feeding them raw meat for when Nottingham Forest turn up on the thirtieth and thirtieth December. I was talking with somebody about this a couple of days ago. I see um, Lansbury picked up an injury before yeah. Derby. <laughs> yeah, 
What's the betting he doesn't turn up at St. James's Park? What's the betting that injury keeps him out to the new year? Absolute bottler. He will bottle St. James's Park. Horrible I couldn't man. imagine that. Like, I'd be Horrible amazed if he bottled it. Well, how dare the football league give him player of the bloody month? That's oh, that I, got, I nearly got it for November. It was November. He got it for November, not December. We played him in December. Mm. I got now that we played him, to be, to be honest with you. Uh, he's a, the guy, did you see them um, at it again yesterday? He was trying to get someone yeah. else sent off. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> you didn't know they got hammered as well, didn't they? They got hammered. Oh, what a shame. I was devastated. The thing is, even there, they're a club in transition as well, and you know the, the fact that they could be being sold, and they seem to have a manager they like, and the fans are happy. Like everybody wants to see a strong and vibrant, not in the forest, but a strong and vibrant not in forest is not the team that, like, tr- like. Go, obviously, we don't want to go back to it, but to, to watch a player um, do that. To try and get another player sent off, uh, we I think we saw it again I've, um, in the last couple of weeks, especially Man City when you you saw Fabregas uh, walking backwards to, to get sent off to get the player sent off, even though Fernandinho deserved to get sent off. Just the fact that he walked back to the sideline, it's you know this this should be. I don't understand why we can't be like American that if something happens that's ungently conduct, they get. They lose their their salary um, or a portion of portion of it because uh, the only time they ever get a fine is if they get booked. So you know why they can't get that respective bar, yeah. uh, fine uh, yeah. I, I think I was talking out here with some of the because we've had the rugby sevens out here rec- mm. recently. I was talking with some of the rugby lads that were doing the coverage for the um, for Dubai Eye Radio out here and doing some of the. Uh, some of the ex-Ruby lads that regularly do stuff on Dubai Eye, and they all say to a man, why football doesn't introduce sighting the way it has in rugby, where a player can be mm-hmm. picked up retrospectively and cited for an incident, and if there's clear uh, video evidence of them doing something like that, mm-hmm. the FA turns around and says, right, there you go, there's three. There, there's a three-match ban, there's a two-week wage fine, um, don't do it again. And they said it would create chaos for about a month. And then they would all wake up, yeah. we can't do this, we can't do it anymore, would have a month of chaos, and then that would be it, end. Mm. And I think for the good of the game, we might have to just suck that one up. Mm. You don't get it I wrong, I'm sure, I'm sure one of our players will be guilty of it too. Yeah. Um, you know, it happens, it seems to go and sit inside Absolutely. the hospital. It's because it's, it, it, it's non-punishable. I mean, look what that Snodgrass done at the weekend. When yeah. he was in the it's for the culture of the game now. Mm. It's in, in, when you go to, it, again, you come out here and you go and, and watch some of the, the junior teams training and some of the lads chucking themselves around the pitch, rolling and making yelping noises off of <laughs> vague challenges. Are you sure it was well, yelping noises as well, just Andrew Eaton? Yeah, I Now I know why you kind of... Now I know why you kind of press the right button. Fish fingers! <laughs> <laughs> they are good. Like, I've, I went an hour to cook them, especially. Have, have, you gone with, have you gone with butter or breadcrumbs, though? Uh, uh, breadcrumbs. Yeah. Can't believe you got me on that one. I can't yeah. believe you caught me eating. I never eat. And have first I have eaten. I can't believe you coughed. 
All you had to do is said you were having a problem with your microphone, man. But no, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I mean the fish finger. You got like your sort of, some sort of international spy you would be with data tips. Oh, they're hidden in my shoe. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Dear God. So, are you going? Are you going to the matches at the weekend, uh, Lee? I'm going to be in Euro Disney. I'm going to Euro Disney. Oh. I'm going to Paris on Thursday, so I'm basically going to see the big man. So, unfortunately, Newcastle's going to have to wait. Yeah, I think um, I think the fact that both games are on TV, aren't they, Neil? Uh, yes. Unless it's on the dodgy. It's on the dodgy. Uh, <laughs> Wigan's certainly on the telly. Wigan's um, on the telly, but yeah, Burton's sure. just a 3 o'clock kickoff unless it's on the dodgy Burton. channel. Burton's a 3 o'clock, so it might be one of the... The, the game shown um, out here. Uh, yeah. I don't think it will be. I haven't seen the full fixtures list. I've got a feeling there'll be some bizarre little inconsequential mid-table clash that they'll, they'll pull out because they've got to fulfil their obligation to show everybody at least once. I think um, it's interesting, after after having a referee on, on last week, uh, I did, um, after such a great um, conversation with Mark Halsey, I did actually contact the Chronicle and said, listen, if you want any proper, um, honest refereeing uh, tales or to, to know what to know actually what goes on in um, uh, in in the world of, of, of refereeing, I said you should, con- you should contact Mark Halsey because they, every, they seem to be going around the houses to get somebody they you know, especially the media, they, they want to go around the houses to get to get somebody that doesn't say anything particularly relevant on what what uh, players are doing like fouls etc it seems it seems quite uh, a culture of you know they, they want to be able to talk about it but they don't want to offend anybody I think when we had Neil on sorry we had uh, Mark on he was just like woof wasn't he full on he did he did stuff over here you know for a little while mm, with yeah. um, Keys and Grey mm. um, and and for all in part, the, the whole setup here it, it mm. can be stomach churning with them too. Mm. Um, yeah. he, he did actually come across really well because mm. he wasn't frightened to say what he thinks. Now, obviously, yeah. there's, the, he's got this this personal issues between him and the hierarchy of the the the, the, the management of the referees in the UK, which is, or in, in England, which um, he made no bones about mm. when he spoke to us last week. He was very frank and honest about mm. it without naming names. He let us name the names. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that's fair enough. That's, that's, that's the way it should be. Um, and at least he was honest about that. Um, and I think there has to be something somewhere where somebody has got to go to somebody like Mark and say, right, we need these honest and straight opinions every week because then something might change the penny mm-hmm. might drop because we've definitely got issues mm-hmm. there's no there's, like i was just saying to lee before there when you were off fish fingering um <laughs> with pasta you know, the, 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 the with pasta yeah god with okay. bacon too. um yeah. the, um keep on talking i'm gonna have the rest of my fish finger yeah uh, just yeah lord um I really like them to stack down his chimney. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, now back to football. Um, uh, <laughs> what 
Well, I'm talking about Santa. I don't know what you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no. Uh, I, I, like Lee and I were saying before, when you were, you were too busy enjoying your battle. Yes, talk, yes, continue um, on. That they've, they've appointed Lee Pro about the Premier League man referee for the, the game at Burton mm-hmm. Albion at the weekend. And, and is that somebody in the Football League saying, OK, this might be a bit of a high pressure? This might lend itself to being on television, Lee. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Corbett cost us a bloody derby. That's why his yeah. name came straight in my head. Was that yes, the one that uh, he sent off um, no, Colicini? No, no it, was, um, it was the one where we were comfortably 1-1 with them when the Bushies equalised and we looked like we were going to team a winner. We got a throw... We we got a throw in on the touchline. You, you just give a foul, let someone take it dead quick. When our players thought, well, it wasn't a foul, mm. and then Barini put the ball in the net. Bloody hell on! That's why I remembered his name straight away. Yeah. <laughs> well, give me give me a scoreline for for Wednesday and for Saturday then, obviously because uh, you're on your travels. Tough tough game tomorrow. Um, regardless of the league position, regardless of what we're going to do, because our record at Wigan is atrocious. Yeah, Wigan 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 away was one of the games on. Uh, it seemed we always kind of fell fell on Boxing Day when I was doing the away games, and that yeah, stopped me was. going on Boxing Day because I was just mm. like that. Said, I'm not going anymore. Well, didn't want to Boxing Day. I'm just going to days in a row or something like that. Yeah. Lost every single time away. Now the record's horrific there. Every something always seems to happen quite dodgy there as yeah. well. Um, but if we turn up with professional, I, I heard a little stat that Wigan's only scored 16 goals this season, the same amount that Dwight Gale scored. So Oof. there's not many goals in them. So hopefully, if we just turn up, do a job, get the points on the board, um, I'll take us to win 2 0. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right, mate. They have They've scored 16 goals and only six of them at home. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. That's what happens. We say this, and then what happens? <laughs> yeah, well, we're not going to win when we we're on for the Champions League spot in the party, and ended up battling yeah, us for we were four 0 up at half time. Yeah, remember that. Saturday, Saturday. I mean, I, I, I do not just think. Well, hopefully, this is where we're going to flex the muscles a bit, and hopefully, go to Burton, pick up another three points. Hopefully, we'll end up with six points on the board by the time there. Uh, quarter to five rolls around on a Saturday night and hopefully I'll be bouncing around the Disney Castle very happy <laughs> exactly well thanks for coming on Lee appreciate it even yeah. though we had Fishgate but I'll speak to you <laughs> next well next time okay <laughs> I still don't think I still don't think you're eating I'm sure you're in the wardrobe trying to find presents I was having a fish finger with a pasta end of story thank you <laughs> who mixes fish fingers <laughs> and pasta Jesus, like, that's all I've got in the house for God's sake anyway thanks for coming on Lee I'll all see you next I'll see you next time bye take care bye 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 okay so we're going to bring in um, Chris Parry he's calling from um, Dallas and obviously he's sick as a chip because Dallas got beat by the Giants whoop 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 and Redskins win good evening Chris hey how's it going I'm alright how are you uh, well I wasn't very happy last night but I mean I'm okay <laughs> I'm okay today this is what happens when but I was really but I was really happy on Saturday yeah it was a, a quite a supreme performance and Obviously, you know, from the from miss from um, minute one, Newcastle took it to them, and as me and Neil have been stating, uh, that's the way we should be playing at home. Yeah, that's what you and I've been talking about that all year. That at yeah. home it should not be anything except full on from the moment the ball is kicked, and don't stop until the final whistle, and try to be and just try to run teams out of the stadium. I mean, on the road, I can understand 
that you might want to be a little cagey and you want to maybe you know pick your spots. But at home, it should just be they should just be running teams out of their they should just be running teams out of the out of out of the building, and they did. And uh, how about the I love the comments from the coach, you know, from the opposing coach yeah. who gave Newcastle United the, the respect it deserved. Yeah, because the thing is, Gary Rowett's been, you know, comes across a very straightforward coach. What, what do you, what do you think, Neil? That 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 one, Chris is one well, talk. I think not just that. I think some of the fans' responses as well. Looking at Twitter and speaking mm-hmm. to the Blues over here, the um, the uh, the whole um, attitude was very much. Look, we've just been absolutely battered by a far better mm-hmm. team, um, and let's just respect that and take it on the chin and move on. Um, and I think that's the way uh, there's a lot of people could learn from that we could learn from that sometimes perhaps mm-hmm. you know um, th- there's a way to lose and keep your dignity because they would, would definitely give them a football lesson there's no two ways about that mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing was Chris that um, without getting too far ahead of something it was interesting um, Dwight Gale um, he scored three goals and it, it wasn't that he had like hundreds of chances he just seems to be able to you know find the space get the goals even if they're you know easy he makes them look easier than probably what they are and uh Gufron as well on the score sheet which i prop which i i liked as well no it was good and uh you know I've, I've, i haven't i didn't wasn't able to watch the match but i was able to see the highlights and of course they show a lot of the different uh different lead-ups to goals and then whenever newcastle almost scored and it did seem like uh, gail just ha- has a knack of being in that right spot he's the he's the perfect goal poacher that you and i were talking about i still think that i would love a sturridge or you know or, you know, or an andy carroll since we're talking yeah. transfer window and I, I thought it was interesting that um, I read, I think, uh, in the Chronicle, one of the coaches believes that uh, Newcastle is going to be able to go get premiership players in the January transfer window. They're not going to have to settle for championship transfers if they don't want to. They can get guys that will mo- be more than happy to come down for a couple months, you know, hopefully yeah. win, a, win, a, you know, win a championship title and then, and then vault right back up to the Premier League. Yeah, of course, you know, it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's nice to be in the festive period and actually feel good for once. Yeah, I think the interesting thing was, like, I, I did see, a, I think, Neil, you might know more than me, but I did see a few players being linked, but they were, like, from other leagues. Like, I, I haven't, the only person I've really seen being linked, and that was John Richardson, who confirmed to us exclusively on the show that they're going to be going in, going back for Andy Carroll and look to, uh, you know, either do a part exchange for Mitrovic, which I've, obviously, uh, Gary Richardson mentioned the other week, Neil. Mm. Sorry, mate, I just lost you in the middle of a bit of a slowdown. It's okay. I heard you about four times in either ear. <laughs> <laughs> I said because of what Gary Richardson said exclusively mm. on the show that um, they're looking, uh, there could be a chance for Andy Carroll to come back. And I, and I, I didn't realise what he meant was was that Mitrovic could head to um, West Ham, um, probably for Billich and the, the way that... I, the way the way West Ham are playing, who I think will get better now that players are back. Um, you mm. can imagine Bilic uh, with um, Mitrovic more than what you can Mitrovic. Um, uh, sorry, you can imagine Mitrovic with with um, Slavin. Um, you could imagine a bit more Andy Carroll um, listening to um, Rafa Benitez. Well, yeah. Well, the one I- the one thing, guys. 
Hey, the one thing, guys, sorry, Neil, to cut you out. I mean, like, cause we were saying this last week, but, uh, Neil, I mean, and, and Andrew, I mean, one's younger than the other, and let's be, as much as we all love Andy Carroll, the man is so injury prone. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and the Newcastle's finally seems like they've kind of been able to get over their injury bug. Do they really want to bring in a guy that you just never know if he's going to be able to play a full season? It depends yeah. on how much you value Mitovic, what price range you're looking at. Because that we paid, how much did we pay, Neil? Oh, here's a question. It was at least 12 to 15 12, million, 13, wasn't it? 13, no. 13, I think. 13, yeah. yeah. That's and the thing. What it is, yeah. every player at our club has mm. a price. It's yeah. not like it used to be. Yeah. I think previously, I think the prices were too low. I think we'd sell too easy. I think mm-hmm. Rafa's not going to let anybody go easy, but mm-hmm. I, but I also think Rafa sees the bigger picture. And if Rafa sees a deal that can be done, he'll do it. But mm-hmm. the question about Carroll is, <laughs> yeah, we'll go again. And how, you know what I'm going to say? I'm quite sure. Uh, fitness <laughs> issues, lifestyle. Fitness yeah. issues, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Do we need that back? I think that's a step backwards. We're going back to 2008. Now, bearing in mind. We got relegated with the two centre-backs that were playing in 2008 and mm-hmm. um, we, we, we don't need steps backwards. So if Mitrovic goes, it ain't going to be Andy Carroll coming in. I can almost put me put me hat on that. Mm-hmm. No, and I, guys, and I agree. I agree. I mean, like, that's what we were talking about last week, that as much as, I mean, it, you know, that, that's the past. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is. I know sometimes you can relive the past. seems like the guy that can reinvent himself every, every year, no matter where he goes, is Jermaine Defoe. But, I mean, normally, I mean, you just you move on and you, move, you try to find new players and new challenges and new opportunities. I mean, I, I do like Sturridge, even though Sturridge is, um, is injury-prone as well, just because he's shown he can score goals in a phone booth. I mean, you know, he just he he just he just knows how to do it. So I, I would really like, but I like to keep Mitrovic. I mean, Mitrovic seems like he has a true love for the shirt and for the emblem of Newcastle United. He's the kind of player wanted. We've been wanting for years. A guy that'll run, do whatever it takes, uh, you know, to, to you know to to win matches. I think it, I think with Mitrovic, he's he's always going to be a project. I think the one game I've really saw him play where you probably put him on a level like Gale has when it comes to pressing was that the cup game I think and he ran he ran around like he knew what he's doing that's a I always that's a, the trouble with Mitrovic I think he'll do okay for one game out of four and you know like I think against Preston remember he had he had he didn't have any chances then all of a sudden he scores two goals so I think uh, with the window fast approaching I can't, I can't really see Newcastle doing too much. I'd love to see who they're being, a, who the Premiership players are being linked with, because I think clubs are going to panic, especially the the relegated ones, but uh, the ones that are in the, in the are in trouble. Uh, even even the top ones might make changes, but um, I think that I think it's going to be the most open window we've ever seen, and I think Newcastle will be active. I just think it's a you don't know how active like. What do you think, Chris? Do you think one or two, or do you think they'll buy anybody at all? Well, it just depends. I mean, it's uh, right now the club's going really well, um, but you, you always want to be. You, we've talked about this. If you're you always want to be swimming still, you're just going to sink. You know, so I mean, you eventually you've got to keep moving forward and 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 keep improving, especially whenever you want to. Because I mean, right now they're running rampant. 
through the championship. But we've said this before. Let's be honest. They better be running rampant through the championship. They're a premiership team playing in a league they don't belong in because they had a bunch of guys that just didn't get the job done last year. Uh, I have, I am intrigued about this guy that they keep being linked with from uh, Portugal, this yeah. midfielder, because I bet you Benitez probably has the, you know, probably has a pretty good, a uh, pretty good view on this guy. I think he'll do it. I think he'll do um, any business early. I can't see them stringing it out unless a player comes available that they, you know, they they really like and they wait and wait and wait because you know the one player that they were looking to get, but I think was McManaman, wasn't there? They were looking at him and in the window, but it obviously didn't happen. Um, you know, we've got so many different players at different positions now. Um, it would, I would be surprised if he did go in to get anybody, but if he gets somebody in. Um, more of a creative force because I don't think we can rely on week in week out um, Shelby because I think you're going to well, Shelby will see a couple of good performances then he'll do the Hollywood thing like he like he's prone to do or he'll make it indisc- he'll do some an indiscretion or he'll get booked um, so I think Newcastle definitely need a creative presence moving forward I think that's always been the case but I do like Hayden Hayden in that midfield because he tackles he tackles well he tackles hard which which I've probably will probably see Teote obviously on the bench coming on bits and pieces but I do like Hayden because he there's something good about him but there's a bit of nasty side him but he plays the football the right way uh, Chris yeah he's fantastic guys and I, and, and I think Christian Atsu is a guy that Newcastle have to find a way to lock up I think he's a you know, he's he's such a creative uh, a creative force and a goal scorer. Uh, I'm hoping that Chelsea doesn't want him back. <laughs> I mean, I'd like I'd like him to stay on it. Yes, and w- one thing, guys, what I really really like is I want guys who want to be a part of Newcastle United. I do not want anybody at this club anymore that is looking to go someplace else. If you come to Newcastle United, you come to Newcastle United. Period. End of story. Uh, yeah. and, and, I, and I think that that's, that's the number one thing I want. You wouldn't be surprised, would you, Neil? So go ahead, Neil. We are no longer a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. And this, this is, was made clear. One of the things that Benitez made clear early, early on was that he viewed Newcastle United as not as a stepping stone club in the way that somebody like, and I'm going to name him, Sissoko certainly did, like Caballé certainly did viewed as a stepping stone. Stepping stone to what? To Crystal uh, Palace. Exactly. <laughs> to the Tottenham bench. Exactly. To the Chelsea bench. You, I mean, you, you know, I mean, all of them. Come <laughs> to Newcastle United for Newcastle United and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so you're right, that's the people we want on board, the people who would wear the shirt like we we would. That's all we ask. We're not, we're not unreasonable. We don't have ridiculous expectations. None of this is true. Mm-hmm. It, it's based around what, you know one thing and one thing only. We want people who are proud to wear the shirt. Hmm. That's what that's what prerequisite. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Geordie, whether you're a Macam, whether you're from Scotland, London, Saudi Arabia, Australia, America, Taiwan, whatever. If you're wearing that shirt and you're proud to wear that shirt, then that's good enough for me. Hmm. And yeah. I think that's why I like Mitro- I think that's why I like Mitrovic so much. Because even though he drives us crazy, the, the man loves Newcastle United. Now, his dad, remember all that junk and crap we had to listen to about his dad? Said, well, he doesn't really want to go there. 
I mean, clearly that's not the case. But I mean, there's more. There's like got to be more. This club. There's got to be more from Mitrovic. So I've, I think it doesn't matter. I, I could go on TV and uh, say, you know, I, and go on the pitch and fuss, fist bump the whole bloody team. But the thing is, the guy, on average, is anonymous most of the time. He he, he go he can go on a run, but it's for him. But what, anyway, Neil, what do you think on that? Well, I, I think he he frustrates because we can see. Mm. He has attributes that we love. Mm. He, we love a, 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 a bustling ball action number nine. That's something we've always loved for a long time at Newcastle United. And we see things in him and we think, hey, this guy could, could really fit the role. Mm. But then he'll drive you mad. And I think we've got to remember he's still young um, and, and he's got a, a, a coach who if he can't learn from this coach, then you know what, there's probably something not right with the lad and it's probably not the right place for him to be. Mm. I can't but imagine, mate. Can you imagine at West Ham? I think we've got, to, we've got to be prepared to give him the chance to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, um, giving him the chance to do that, it, 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 we've done this too long with too many players where we've persevered mm. and you hear the word potential and then you turn around and realise they've been at the club five years and they've not actually progressed. Mm. Um, we've got to got to have a cut off time for players like that now, and I, and I think Benitez would be ruthless enough to do that. Yeah, because um, we've not had no. You guys, I mean, you guys are right, but he's only been here two years, guys. I mean, he's only been in the English game for two years. Really, let's be honest, a year and a half. Yeah, yeah and I mean, and he and he got a red key. You know, he was throwing his body around, getting red cards. I love that he can he can uh, hold up play. He's a terrific front man. He just needs. I, I mean, I, I was hoping that him and Gale could work together. But, yeah, I mean, if, if, any, if anything has been shown is that all it takes is the spark to be lit and everything else is gravy. Because look at Goufron. I mean, Goufron looks like a new player, a new man. He's been fantastic, and he's been anonymous for two or three years. So, I mean, uh, so I don't know. I just think that I think we're asking for it if we start jettisoning, jettisoning uh, international players, guys think, that really want to play yeah. for Newcastle. I think the, the the problem, like I, when I, I think the one thing that was jaw dropping to me when I when I first saw Mitrovic, um, when he you know back to goal and he's he's got he has got the tools to do it, but I think the pace, the the, the, the team that Rafa Benitez plays on average, doesn't play a player like uh, Mitrovic, and I think that is where he because he's brought in Murphy. In a similar type rub, but the difference is Murphy's obviously more ma- more mature. I think that's why he brought him in. But when you look at, I, I've looked at I've, I, I, Neil. You can probably better than me, but I, I can't remember a team that Benitez. Yeah, he's always had fast players in his teams, and I, and the only person that I can think of that Liverpool br- changed the the whole way of thinking was Carroll. But I can't think of any player that uh, Benitez. Obviously, you know, on all the clubs he's been to, had an archetypal number nine who was who who is like Mitrovic or like an Andy Carroll. That's why I can't. Plus, it's glaring the lack of pace and and uh, I think well, he may be a good lad, but I, that's about it. Touched on this earlier with Dan, mate, about the system doesn't accommodate. Yeah. But if you also look, he seems to want to play Gill. Diomi, mm. Mitrovic, Perez. So you've got a different type of player in the number nine and a different type of player in the number ten. Mm. 
Mm. And then when you're playing Mitrovic and Perez, you've got an inverse. And that's why Perez and Gale doesn't always work. Because he seems to be, if he plays one, he seems to have to play the others to contrast the style to allow, then allow the system to work with this one up front that he, that's his favourite system. Mm. And he worked at, he's worked it all over the place. If you look what he did at Napoli, and, and converted some quite ordinary players into very, very, very solid Italian players. You know, he's no mug. He's really no, no mug with what he does. And, and I think that's why we've got to let him, you know, take Mitrovic on. But mm. equally, I, I don't think you'll find us sitting in four or five years' time talking about Mitrovic's potential still if he yeah. isn't fulfilling that potential by then. Cause I think yeah, I, no, I, I agree. And, and guys, remember, I mean... It, it, on. Yeah. Hey, Neil uh, and, um, and, and Andrew, remember Andy Carroll didn't exactly hit the ground running either. You know, it was kind of... He didn't hit the... He really didn't get going until they went down to the championship. And then he, you know, I remember because he was the guy that it brought up and everybody was so excited about this young lad that was going to be amazing. And it was kind of just hit or miss. And all of a sudden he just went on fire, you know, uh, and, and, and got things rolling. I mean, you know, look at the Leicester striker. I mean, he, you know, he, he used to run his socks off but not really score goals. And then all of a sudden last year he just, he just erupts. And that, you know, this year he's back to kind of being – you know, hit he scored. He scored quite a few goals against Man City, but I mean, um, but uh, but no, I just I don't know, and I, I agree with you. I think that I, I think that this is not the time to be pushing good players out. Like if we want to talk about a guy who's gone absent, then you just mentioned Ayozi Perez. I don't know where he's been on the pitch. I didn't even know he was playing against Nottingham Forest until I actually until I saw. The second half, and they said, you know, you know they, showed the, they showed who's out there. I'm like, Ayuzi Perez played in the first half? That's how anonymous he was. I it was amazing. I think the good thing now about Benitez, he's got their number. You know, he, he just, he'll bomb them out. He'll say, listen, you're not doing enough. He obviously hasn't been training most of the time, I think. But um, I've got one question for you, because obviously it's, it's related to the NFL, but... Um, obviously, we've had a lot. Well, you've, you've saw all the cheating that's been going on over here. Um, and obviously, in America, they with the NFL, they have retro, retro retrospective, um, um, you know, discipline against the players when they do something wrong. And it's not a question of losing all the salary, but they do get fined for. Um, they get fined. They get fined a lot yeah. too. I mean, they get fined hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. The, you know, so, I mean, so. But there's not a lot of faking in, in American football either. Now, I don't know about, you know, in soccer, sometimes, you know, the MLS, they'll come and they'll, they'll drop the hammer on somebody afterwards. Mm. But there's not a lot of fa- – I mean, the, what, what the Nottingham Forest team has done, I think, in the last two weeks has been just absolutely deplorable. I mean, did you see, the, did you see on Twitter the newest yeah. thing? Maybe you might have posted it, or Neil. I mean, are they teaching guys act like this? Because this – I mean, I, if I was a Nottingham Forest fan, I'd be absolutely outraged. I'd be happy that my team beat Newcastle, even though they didn't deserve to, but I'd be outraged if my players were doing this. Or I would just kind of laugh it off and go, that we're, you know, we're, we're a laughing stock. Well, remember, you, did, you saw a, a manager, somebody threw an air, a paper airplane at him, and it hit him on the back of the head, and he went down like he'd been floored by a, um, somebody had thrown a ball bear, like a real ball, something really hard at him. And, but the way he reacted, went down slowly like he'd been poleaxed. So, 
it is very much I think we're in we're in the age of people who will cheat who will try and get an extra yard but they just don't get it every single camera is at most games they're going to get found out but the difference over here is that you can't really unless it's a, a physical thing you can't charge them you can't do retroactive for for cheating basically they, they don't do it because even if if a referee sees it um diving especially that's where i think that's the problem isn't it, neil because sometimes you're gonna it could become like the nfl where you stop and start it but obviously fifa and the world game don't want they don't want a lot of um, you know stops and starts of the game to dil- no dilute, hey guys neil Andrew, I absolutely want retroactive punishment. I think a yellow card, even a red card, I think a match suspension, I think a game check. Take a game check away from a player yeah. after, okay, your team won, congratulations. You don't get to play the next game and you lose your game check. Do it again. I dare you. You know what I'm saying? Hit him in the, hit him in the wallet, and I guarantee you this stuff stops. I mean, you can get away with it and win your match. Yeah, this is pretty much what the rugby lads were saying to me the other week over here. That if you've introduced Satan into the game, um, mm. you'd have a month of pure chaos <laughs> where where players were being suspended. You'd have three or four players removed from games. Um, you know, there'd be, there'd be teams hurt by it, but they'd only be hurt once. And, and, and after that month, everything would calm down. Mm. The game would start to police itself more mm. and, and things would come right. Um, Absolutely, and, I, and I, I genuinely believe they're right. I think we would. I think we'd have, we'd have a, it, we'd have a month where you know, maybe Spurs would play Chelsea, missing three players each because of something that was done retrospectively, um, but tough, absolutely tough, because if it makes the game right, because I'm tired of seeing, because it does filter down and it does filter down through all the leagues. I'm tired of seeing. Um, junior level football has rolling round like they've been absolutely poleaxed by tackles that have barely touched them. You know, there's a cup of cement, harden up. Get, your, get you know, get get yourself sorted out and, here. It's supposed to be. And gentlemen, this sport. is not just happening. Mm. Gentlemen, this isn't just happening in in, uh, in football. Like American basketball, uh, there's a deal now in college where like. You can get a, a, a specific flagrant if you hit someone in the face or something like that, and you can get tossed. So guys, like you, you know how they swing the elbows when you got like when you have the basketball, you're trying to hold. Guys are flopping, yeah, making flopping, it yeah. look like they just got hit in the face, because yeah. they know that. Now the good news is they they they'll, they're all be able to go to the video, but they've already called the the flagrant one automatically, so it's automatically a technical. They can't take that away, even if they go and they look on the video and go, okay, we just got absolutely played. You know, so I mean, it's it, it it's 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 happening in a lot of sports. It's it's yes. I think it's the new it's this generation of PlayStation, you know, PlayStation. Everybody's a winner type people that are are, are in sports now. Yeah, it's that are looking to cheat to do whatever they got to do. I think I like it when the good good old days when I was in the U.S. and I, I was playing soccer over there, and uh, it was a, a, a mixed co-ed game. And I was sit, I was standing next to a woman, and uh, I couldn't believe this, but I got elbowed, knocked on my ass by this young lady, and I remember I couldn't believe it. I didn't even realise the woman that hit me until I turned round, and I went for the guy next to me, thinking it was him. 
<laughs> and I jumped on him. I thought I'd choke him on the pitch. <laughs> and the girl said, you wouldn't dare do it to me. You wouldn't dare do that to me because that was me. And I got up and it was like, okay. And I accepted it. How crazy is yeah, that? I, yeah, I, I'd go the other extreme over, over here. I turned around in over 40s league sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I get accused of being aggressive. <laughs> and it's like, come on, it's a contact sport, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Put your foot, leave your foot in, yeah. You've got, 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 well, no, you've got, I have to say, some of them jump around and dive around and leap and, and you're like, oh, it's horrible. It's horrible, guys. It's horrible. And I mean, and, and what they ought to do, what they ought to do is they ought to make all these young players, you know, you just said it, Andrew. What they ought to make is like all these young players that are acting like idiots. Make them watch women's soccer. (laughs) <laughs> because women could have their eye hanging off mm, yeah. with blood pouring out of their freaking face mm. and the girls That's still it. running with the ball trying to score you know because they're because they don't want to be even remotely thought of as being soft so the game is so physical and it's so awesome mm. and there is none of this there is now one brazil i have to admit brazil women have kind of brought a little fakeness you know they brought they brought yeah, some yeah. diving but if you watch the yeah. women's world cup I mean, tackles are flying in like crazy. Have you noticed that nobody complains? I mean, they complain to the ref, mm. but there's no faking. It's exactly how you, you know, soccer was meant to be played. Mm. It's just get after it, you know. So, so anyway, um, it, it, I don't know, guys. We can talk to her blue in the face on this. I think Nottingham Forest deserves to be charged by the FA. Mm. Um, they need to, there's something that needs to be done because this is now two weeks in a row. And they're, they're a laughing stock. I mean, they're just an absolute laughing stock. And it's a shame because Nottingham Forest is such a classic historical club, uh, you know, that, that, that now they're being known for this. Yeah. Is it, it's actually interesting in the NFL. They've just, they've just fired Jeff Fisher, who's just it's given a new time. contract. <laughs> it's I just about time. So, so funny. The, the guy's gone to LA. He's happy as Larry. And he wins a couple of games, didn't he? He won a couple of games. And they started giving him... <laughs> They're giving more money. They've just sacked him. Unbelievable. But that's that's football for you. It's all, it's all changing. They don't normally sack anybody to the end of the season. But um, hey I've guys, got check last this guest. out. They have a game. They have a game on Thursday, and they just yeah. sacked him three two days before their game kicks because they're on a Thursday night game. They'd you had watch, enough. You, know, you watch. You watch them play well. I bet any money they'll play ever. They'll play out their skins playing out there talking to the skins because we, we won obviously the weekend thanks very much for that no you guys did okay I mean I think Washington um, you know, you know Washington, Washington's a good team I think that they found a way to get it done and, and of course those NFC East battles are great I mm-hmm. think that Dak Prescott I think the offense for Dallas kind of got found out a little bit they need to they need, they need to open up their offense a little bit yeah, you can't just keep throwing bring, two yard passes they can't, they can't bring Romo well, in. Well, and the, the thing is, the, the, I think they will bring Romo in if they lose to Tampa Bay, if they don't get another first down. Dude, they went, they've gone like two for 25 trying to make first downs. Neil's bored out of his mind right now yeah. if we're talking no, American football. Won. But I'm just saying. You know what, I'm not, mate, because the Chiefs he had likes a it. win on Thursday over the Raiders, and that did me, bro. Mm. Uh, okay. Well, the, I tell you what, the Chiefs put it on the Raiders. Yeah, well, absolutely. All three of our teams are doing well, but I guarantee you only two of us, Neil, are going to be happy once the playoffs start. Andrew, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if we, I'm just happy. If we make the playoffs, I'm happy. And then That's what watch, I just said. Watch once Dallas the playoffs begin, two of, us are, two of us are going to be happy, Neil and I. You, you yeah, know. not so much. You don't know. You don't know. We're going to see how... The <laughs> thing is, Dallas, Dallas are in the playoffs anyway. 
Um, it just depends if they play. Um, they play. They're going to have home game home game advantage, right? Yeah, and that's the thing, guys. I mean, we're 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 sitting here freaking. I'm sitting here, and Cowboys fans are freaking out. But I mean, they've lost two games. Let's yeah. get let's give it a rest. You are allowed to lose if they can beat. If they can beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which maybe you know, which is tough. They won five in a row, but they'll be at home. Then it's over. They've clinched, and then they can maybe beat the Lions, and you know, and then they've got the Eagles in the last game. So the the Redskins have got some tough games coming up. They're going to have to kind of win out. Yeah, we'll as well as well as the Giants. But as long as anyway, the teams home. look good, guys. We'll, I'll sign off with uh, Newcastle. Better take it to Wigan. They deserve it. I mean, Wigan has been. You know, this is the. They need to. They need to. They need to get a victory. They need to keep rolling like. Uh, yeah. Like they well, did, and I'd love to see them take care of business on Saturday too. Okay, let's see. Let's see what happens. Thanks a lot, Chris. We'll talk to you next week, mate. Thank you. No problem, guys. Talk Cheers, later. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, Chris. Cheers Bye. Bye. Well, great to have Chris on talking all things football. It's always good to get NFL. I love NFL. Uh, and the last caller of the evening, uh, it's going to be John. If I can get my mouse to work, uh, it's John Newcastle fan. Good evening, John. How are you? Good evening, mate. How are you doing? Yeah. Sorry for the sorry for the delay. Yeah, that's um, so. You must be very very happy the way that we won, and we did it very dominantly. And um, Gufron's got a new haircut. Darlow's our number one, and uh, we Diame and Shelby really really played well. Well, fantastic where we sat there. Um, we completely dominated that game from start to finish, didn't we? Sort of thing, you know. I mean, great three points there. Sort of fell for Birmingham. But what I've heard, they were very, very poor. You would have thought we played a team that's in the fifth. But at the end of the day, I mean, great three points there. Arm was a lot good, really. And um, at last, the Army's had a fantastic game. I mean, Jack Gale gets the course. And um, Shelby was um, outstanding again, you know? Yeah, I think um, probably the, the one the one good thing is when you when you see the Army take, take on players, show his, mm. show his power, because he's got it. That's the, this the thing, isn't it? Maybe, maybe when he was at when he was at uh, Hull, you know, he was always ex- he was always the main man. But you, you saw it in glimpses, didn't you? But with Newcastle, um, it's sometimes, like as Neil always says, sometimes a shirt can be too much. Absolutely, because um, the thing is, though, Newcastle are a massive club, and um, they all when they come to Newcastle, they come here and say that oh, it's a fantastic club sort of thing. It's an honour to be here. We were at a constant gritty sort of thing. It, it, it's been seen before that some of the players just cannot handle it at a club like Newcastle. And uh, on the Ami, I mean, he's had his best game since he's joined us on Hull. And um, if he can just do that every week and mm-hmm. just um, run for midfield and just do his stuff and just believe in himself, then it could be one of the most important players in in a Newcastle team and um, he could get us up and um, I just hope I mean um, he's getting he's been there for a couple months now he knows what the clubs are about the supporters and um, the, the deal and that and on was a lot for him he can just do it he's got the ability I, like I said before he's not a number 10 but he's definitely a central midfielder that, that can break from midfield I mean I've always said that he's got the ability he's a good player He's just got to do it now. He's just got to keep it going. Yeah, I think um, the fact that Teot is in the midfield as well, uh, you know, as a sub, uh, you've got Hayden. Well, what's your thoughts on Hayden? Because I, I've been really impressed with Hayden, especially the tackling and the, he, he gets around the box. He, he, he just looks like a, a really good player, which 
I think um, obviously coming from Arsenal, uh, I think that oh, he was at Hull as well, wasn't he? So yeah, you know well, he's obviously got the skill, but he also seems to have a bit bit more nous about him in midfield, and he's and he's doing what all good players do, and he's tackling correctly. Absolutely, I mean I said his son a couple of years of getting playing for England. I reckon this guy since he's come to Newcastle, he is an eight to nine out of ten player every single week. I mean he tackles, he passes. You know, he gets up about. I think since he's come here on the Rafa, I think he's improved week after week after week. I mean, um, I like to see him, score, see him score more goals, and um, he just does the simple thing, simple in the midfield. You know, there's no extravagance, there's no fills, no. Oh, come on, there's no fills and spills. He just does the job mm-hmm. sort of simply, and um, if he carries on the way he is, I mean. Um, I think he's got a play on him. I mean, he's all. I mean, he's going to be priceless at the minute. This guy, give him three or four years, and gets experience in the Premier League. I guarantee you, this lad will play for England. And I'm not saying that for give him a laugh. I mean, I'm just saying something. I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah, nearly. He, I like him. Hayden, Hayden seems to be one of them players, Neil, isn't he? That um, he, he does everything simply, effectively, and he's got a great shot him as well. And he, he's got an eye for goal. Moves across the ground easily. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can. Th- there are certain footballers who move with a degree of class, mm-hmm. uh, and he certainly looks like one of them. He's been quite almost understated, just got on with it. But now I think we're starting to see him coming. We come to the fore, and I think he's grown into the role. Um, I know he certainly like within the England setup. He's heavily involved in the under 21s. Um, I think he was playing right fullback though for the under 21s the last time he was away mm-hmm. with them. Uh, but just shows his versatility because he played at the played at centre back as well for Hull when he was on loan there last season. Mm-hmm. So, you know the the, the lads. Um, I like that about a player who's who's will do his job. If he's got to go and play in an unfamiliar position, he'll not whinge, he'll not moan, he'll do his job. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, I think he's making. The, the cornerstone of making and Shelby tick is having the assurity of him alongside him. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think. I think the, the things that they're always going to change. He always seems to be able to change midfield. But I think is this the is this the third game in a row he's played Hayden together with Shelby, Neil or John? Would you know something that that very possible? Because um, uh, Colback got that eye injury, didn't he? Mm. And and he, he hasn't been quite right since. So, yeah, I, 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 I genuinely think those those two together, I think Shelby plays better with Hayden alongside him because Hayden's got that more mobility, that more about him. Mm. I'll just, just come to Hayden. Yeah. I'll just come in to yeah. guys or anyone. I mean, he's come here to Newcastle, right? As, he play, as he's been playing for Newcastle for the last 10 to 12 years, this guy is absolutely like Neil sets off and he gets about his business. He does some whinge. He gets told where to play. He gets on with it, you know. And um, it's just an honour. It's just absolutely privileged to see this guy play because um, he's got he's got the ability. He's got the skill. And I believe when I say this, right? But um, I see this kid going to stop in Newcastle for a long, long time. And you said about earlier on stepping stepping stone. We are no longer a stepping stone, right? And um, and I just hope that um, Isaac stay with us for years to come. Yeah, it's, I think that that's that's the issue, isn't it? It's always going to be, 
you know, if other clubs come in from the big, the, the bigger clubs. But as Neil said earlier, when when it comes to the bigger clubs coming in, they just mm-hmm. go straight to the bench. You can't imagine exactly the fact that Hayden couldn't, you know, wasn't allowed, I suppose, to play for Arsenal, and he had to be loaned out. You know, I think the good thing about these players like Atsu, um, as well. He couldn't get a game there. So every well, time a player comes from a bigger club, they they should be automatically thinking, well, if if I'm gonna if a big club comes, comes in for me, unless it's abroad, I'm never gonna I'm gonna be nowhere near the bench. That's very true. I mean, I really agree with you as well. I mean, I do feel like some top players have to come in, like um, go to a different club, a big club, and they have to sit on the bench. It's just so mm-hmm. frustrating. I mean players should be thinking twice about what would you rather do? Would you play for a lesser club every week or would you just go to a bigger club and get to sit on the bench for the season? I mean, you, you'd be wasting 12, two years sitting on the bench and you're going to lose your fitness, you're going to lose your way. I mean, um, we're giving people the chance to come here and strut their stuff. I mean, Atsu, I mean, he has been good. He's not a worldie, but he's yeah. done a good job since he's come here. You know, but only issue with him, he hasn't got a fan the ball, and that is the worry. He's got the pierce, he's got the ability, and he can score goals, but he hasn't got the fan the ball. And um, we'll have to work him on it, and um, he'll come good, he'll come good. Yeah, I don't think he's a game changer, is he, Neil? Do you think? I, I watch him, and, you know, he's, he's going to be a hit and miss player, isn't he? Some players are, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and he's one of them, he's one of them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, that's the thing it's going to be I think the, 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 obviously the future is positive I think I'm, I'm just look, really looking forward to the January window because I think if this change be made it'll be interesting to see how we change them and if the, the Premier League players that they might be after do decide to come in because you know the, I, I agree with the fact that if you if you would add a player to Newcastle's team um, who would it be and I would. I must. The storage one for me would, would would be an interesting one, but I can't see any big player that come to Newcastle while we're still in the Championship. Uh, John, can you? I can't I, see that. Can you? Firstly, I mean, you touched on um, Dean, uh, um, Daniel Sturridge there. So not Dean, Daniel Sturridge there. Um, look, he's a fantastic player when he plays, and he yeah. can score some good goals and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and we can see that. But again, he is just injury prone. And um, that's me worried. But um, going back to um, about getting the big players up to Newcastle, I cannot see it. There will be players coming in, but I cannot see a big name coming into Newcastle until the summer, if and when we get promotion, we will do. But uh, I hope that... Uh, you think about it, when, um, when Rafa was at Liverpool, brought in Torres, when he was at Napoli, he brought in Higuain. And mm. I wonder which striker, if he needs a striker, he's going to get when, he, when we get to the Premier League. Who knows? Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I see a big name. I see a big name coming in though in the summer. I don't know who it is, but Rafa probably knew about it. But um, one thing it won't be is he going. I'd love to hear going come to Newcastle. That's never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, but he'll come there. Well, give give me a, a score line for Wednesday and for Saturday before I end the show. Yeah, sure. Um, it's Wigan on Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we should be Wigan, really, sort of thing. I mean, I know Wigan is slightly better, but we should have too much class for them at the end of the day. And I would not be surprised if we won by three goals to one. I think we're going to concede, but I think it'd be three goals to one, we'll win that. And on Saturday against Burton, that um, Burton's is a tough place to go because mm. 
they've kept it tight. And I only just noticed sort of and they don't see many goals there. But we're going to have to be patient on Saturday. I really do think that. But we'll have enough for them as well. So I'm going to say 3-1 on Wednesday. And I'm going to see um, two goals today on Saturday. Lovely. Thanks, John. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Keep, oh, sorry, I had to keep you waiting. But thanks so much. No. We'll catch you next week, OK? I'll see you next week, mate. No bother. Thanks, mate. Take yeah. care, though. Thanks, though. Yeah, Bye. Dollar. 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 Oh. Great show as well tonight. I only expect to be in now. <laughs> and uh, two hours and four, 30 minutes, 20 minutes going. Two Another minutes, great show. Thanks a lot, Neil, as my co-host as ever. And uh, we will... Until next week, but I'll speak to you later, obviously. Okay, so good night, everybody. And the show will be available quite soon on uh, all media platforms, which I will be posting. Good night, everybody. Taylor. Good night, everybody. And fish fingers.